in five, four, three, two, one. Yes, sir. Were you about to do it? No, I was. <laughs> I was thinking, like, should I? I was about to say, because you don't have to do it. Some people like doing it because they, I don't know, I guess it makes them feel like a director or whatever. I'll tell you what, man, this is weird because this is a small town and, like, even before, like, I saw you heavy on Instagram, I would see you, like, around mm-hmm. on Facebook and whatnot mm-hmm. from time to time. I th- yeah. I think I was still at MTSU at that point, as a matter really? of fact. I don't even think I lived in Nashville yet. Wow, okay. Um, Back when, I think Facebook kind of, like, stopped being, like, a thing that people in our age group did. Like, 2016 was, like, the last year, I think. Yeah. At least for me, it was. Yeah. But right before that, there was, like, this weird thing where like there were like a black a bunch of black guitar players that were like found each other on facebook like christone yeah. uh, christone ingram yes was like one of them but this was like before like he blew up yeah I, i'm friends with him on facebook too though. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, yeah, you're right it's <laughs> like you're right and, you know i've known like uh i've known a lot of these cats for years but it's been um i think the what you said the 2016 thing especially that's when i should have left facebook alone mm-hmm. but i didn't but uh <laughs> but um I know that that particular year, I can remember very well being in Nashville, and I met so many different musicians. I think that was the first year I played with uh, Nate Foley. Mm-hmm. The, do you ever you ever heard of him? That name sounds very familiar, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank. He had a band out here named Cat Milk Blue. He's another black guitar player, young cat, really good. Mm-hmm. He had a band out here named Cat Milk Blue, but he was playing with a lot of different people that I was playing with. We would switch out gigs, and he actually put together a Funkadelic cover band. Okay. And he had me on in that with him. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, where, where, you, you from here? No, I'm from Memphis. Okay. Yeah. And how long have you been in Nashville? Uh, seven years. Oh, that's not anywhere near as long as I would have guessed. No, nah, um, I've been here for seven years. I'm, I did my first cruise ship and then Aww. and then finished school and was like, bye. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, music, you studied music in school? No, not originally. <laughs> you will <laughs> stay. <laughs> Part of the reason why I cut mine. <laughs> um, look, I mean, they they look good, dude. I mean, how long have you had those? Uh, probably like fifteen years. They should like close on it. Like, if you like, they're not. If you like, pull it, pull them out. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Because I'm bad at this. <laughs> they they can at least get over the back part of your head. I don't know. If there they we go. Get over there we go. I think I got him. I think I got him anchored on something back here on one of the, <laughs> one of the times. But um, no, I, w- I went to school for music at the, to leave school to finish school. Mm-hmm. I got scholarship to f- uh, play music when I was already in college for like four years. Mm-hmm. I was a international studies slash political science major. Oh what? And I was oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Hold uh, up. I got very disenfranchised with doing that really quick when I was already gigging on guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I dude, I never would have guessed. I mean, I, I I see you get political every now and again online. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I what's so what's crazy is that I um did not realize that you had an EP out until last night. <laughs> yeah. I was just like scrolling through your Instagram just to like, you know, kind of just create an image of like who you would be and like mm-hmm. you know, figure out what I was going to talk about. I was like, "Oh, this man got an EP out." And I was checking yeah. it out. So like you're I mean, you know, pretty serious with the chops, which like I knew. Yeah. But like I'd never seen you play. I just seen pictures and maybe a clip of playing video here mm-hmm. and there or whatnot. Um, so you had been playing music long before you went to school. Yes. Yeah. When did you pick up the guitar for the first time? Uh, I picked up. I got one like a Walmart guitar when I was seven, <laughs> hmm. 
And, you know, I was not playing guitar then. I wasn't, you know, I was seven. I was, I was, I was doing music already. I, was, I had been in choir at church and at school. And um, I just had a guitar. And throughout middle and high school, I, was, I, did, I did band for a second and, like, did tuba. And then um, I just started playing, like, radio rock stuff on guitar. And then once college happened, it moved into blues, soul, jazz, and stuff. And so I, that's, that's when I started, like, gigging. Mostly, I used to have a rock band that I would gig with called Velvet Transit. We had a lot of stuff going on, but once I st- once I sort of uh, got out of the the genre bubble, so to speak, the thing where you know rock musicians, especially um, alternative rock musicians like you know I guess myself and many others, probably you. I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, but I know I had where it's like um, um I th- I thought that I was being really diverse in what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 harder than you think. Mm-hmm. And I'm well, first of all, I mean, I think ultimately we just you should strive to be yourself rather than yeah try to reinvent the wheel. And I think in finding your own voice, then eventually you get lucky and then yeah. you create what it is you want to create. Yeah. But no, I, I I think definitely like when you're starting to write songs for the first time, yeah, you think that you're doing more than you're actually yeah, doing. Yeah, um, I was there for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Velvet Transit, that was like, was that your first band? No, um, I had a few bands before that. Um, I played in a band, and I forgot what they were called. It's been so long in high school because I'll be 32 at the end of this month. Okay. But um, happy early birthday. Thank you. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But um, I uh, used to play in my first band that I played in in high school. I actually graduated high school in Chattanooga, even though I'm from Memphis. Mm-hmm. And that's where I picked up guitar for real, too, was up there. I, I, didn't, I started gigging when I went back home to Memphis, but I was up there in Chattanooga playing. And I played bass in a band, like a rock band. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Memphis and started a band with my best friend called Controlled Substance. And that band eventually evolved into Velvet Transit. And then after that, I just, um, I think I started gigging with a country band. Okay. In Memphis, and I was, you know, I was getting paid for doing that. I was like, okay, this is new, mm-hmm. you know, getting money for playing guitar. That was that was very new, as much as I was getting playing country. And um, after that, I went and switched my majors at school and stuff from like, you know, political sciences, African American study, concentration, Japanese concentration. To uh, I went to another school and they scholarship me to play guitar in the choir. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I had to relearn how to read music and everything. I had to do it really fast too. What is it like reading music as a guitar player? It, um, it, it's not as difficult as one would think if you keep doing it. But if you just try to go in willy nilly and you haven't read in a while, or if you can read another instrument and you think, oh man, I can just do this like I do on this instrument on guitar, it won't work that way because you know the same pitch. The same note, the same exact pitch, not even a different octave, can be in three to four different places on a guitar. Yeah. So you have to sort of read ahead and decide what you're going to play. It sounds stressful. Hey, yeah. So you, they, you got a scholarship to play guitar. For mm-hmm. the, what kind of, was this like a gospel choir or was this like? Yeah. Okay. Mm, oh. And I played for like the praise team, quote unquote. Yeah. But it was, there, there was a, they played every form of church music you can think of, whether it be like black gospel, CCM, mm. orchestral gospel, southern gospel, uh, Christian bluegrass. Like we, we had all that to do. Christian, I mean, Christmas music, like that was a big thing every year. Mm-hmm. Huge selection of Christian music. But like, you know, that was us. I don't necessarily remember how to play it all because that's, that was a sheet of paper in front of me for all of that. Right. 
Yeah. I'm surprised, especially for like some of the like more traditional gospel stuff, that somebody was able to write it out. Mm-hmm. Um, gospel music period is like, for the most part, it's like passed down. It's like oral tradition. Yeah. But yeah. you in Memphis is probably not hard. But if you don't live in Memphis, it's kind of hard to track down somebody that plays like black gospel guitar. Um, I don't know if I've ever met. I've maybe met a handful of those dudes in my lifetime. As a matter of fact. I think that it's a uh, it's not really you probably know more than you think. It's just that the way we separate things, especially with uh, especially I've noticed a thing with black guitarists and white guitarists and different lingo and how we um, describe things and how we separate things and give each other jobs based on like how we're playing together and stuff. And I've noticed that, you know, you're run of the mill R&B guitar player or you're blues guy who has a gig who's not the blues singer who's playing guitar or something like that nine times out of ten they're going to be a pretty good gospel player and they already know it and they don't it's just something that's in them and they rarely uh pull it forth i've seen so many of these guys who just hang back and play their part and then you see them at church you see a video of them on church and they're just as fast in phrasing as the rest of these you know virtual so guitar players and it's just like that's normal that's just normal there's a lot of cats like that. Okay, that makes sense. It's I, I I like you were saying the lingo mm-hmm. and the vocabulary can be you know different depending on if we're talking mm-hmm. about like you know your typical you might be a badass white guitar player but still yeah. like lost but yeah um just I, I there, there I, there's a different set of expectations almost you know what yeah. I mean like. If you if like if there was like some kid and it's like there's like a little white kid that was like teach me guitar like one one of the first things that like people learn is like smoke on the water or something mm-hmm. like that right if you wanted to learn gospel like if you had to teach somebody gospel guitar what song would you t- what, what, what song would you start with um, it if I had to teach somebody gospel guitar I'm not going to say that I'm any kind of gospel guitar expert truthfully I don't think I'm an expert in any one single genre yeah. But if I had to teach somebody gospel guitar, I don't know if I would go the route of teaching them a song like that mm-hmm. because it's a it's more of a style. Um, it's it do, it almost doesn't matter which song, uh, but I might go with King Jesus because I know the tune. Songs I like King Jesus. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. I might go with that one just because that's the one I don't have to I, I don't have to really think about the play. I know that one because I've known it for a long time. Word. Okay. I mean, that, that would be a good start. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like with any genre, you learn a song or two, you know, mm-hmm. six or seven or eight. Um, just because you know, chord progressions get recycled from song yeah. to song to song or whatnot. Yeah. And then, in, in especially with gospel like that, it's much more open-ended. Like, if you're listening to, like, Israel Newbreed or Ty Trebet or something, mm. it's going to be pretty much set what you need to play. Like, it's that, that whatever that guitar player did on that record is very important. Mm. But if you're playing some old-school and traditional like that, that's a good place to learn how to, you know, chord, how to play lead rhythms, and how to play, you know, actual leads. Because we when I said earlier, when I said the lingo between black and white guitar players... Um, what I've learned in, I'd say, not even just like the black and white world separated, like the rock and, or if rock and country versus like blues, soul, and gospel, uh, over on this side, they say rhythm guitar, lead guitar. Over on this side, they say lead guitar, acoustic guitar, or (laughs) or bass. So all electric guitar is lead guitar, and there's no su- there's no separation between lead and rhythm because you're still part of the band, and that's actually that's actually how I've always thought of it. I never really understood. Oh man, this is a rhythm guitar player. This is a lead guitar player. They should both be rhythm and lead guitar players. 
That makes sense. Yeah. I've, I've never really thought about it that way either. Yeah. Uh, I you know, didn't necessarily know that we were going to broach the topic of race this early. My bad. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Hell, I'm, you know, look, I'm, I'm all down to talk about it. wearing a black and white shirt. <laughs> What's interesting, because to, to, to have grown up in Memphis, but to to be a black kid playing white music, was that weird? Yeah. Or quote-unquote white music. Yeah. I think we're kind of, in some respects, we're past that. In other respects, we're not. Mm-hmm. But Everything you just said is correct. Yeah. Yes. So what was it like? Like. Uh, um, you know, I was a little doomy goth kid. I was into all of that <laughs> stuff, you know, man. So there's there's one thing being, you know, the kid playing the White Sox, and then there's, and there's another thing, like, to take it past that, to just be, you know, strange, which, you know, I guess um, I kind of invited it. So um, it, was, it was difficult at first because there's an expectation as a younger person that, oh, man, well, I'm doing this now, so everybody should realize I'm doing it. Where, in fact, like, you know, when I was starting out and I was younger, bro, I was slaw. Yeah. I was slaw. I can't, I couldn't, uh, people did, like, you know, sort of make fun of me for being weird, but that was just that. Um, the guitar part of it was that, um, the guitar part of it that sucked was, you know, me being too young and not realizing that, yo, I'm not ready for all these gigs that I think I am yet until I was. And then it would then you know kind of settled, but yeah, the b- playing quote unquote white music was very weird on both sides of um, that spectrum from black people and from white people because I, a lot of times I would think that you know I was really good because when I was playing with like a lot of the white kids, I was treated like I was really good because I was it wasn't that I was better than any of them, but I had done a little bit more study because I didn't have anybody just to teach me guitar like that. So I had to go learn as much as I could. And like I I was able to impress a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And but still, even in being in in them being impressed, they were a little off put by the fact that it was a black dude. Mm -hmm. And so that was a weird thing that I also had to pretend like I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird that you mentioned it because like I, before I even touched a guitar, I'd played piano and mm-hmm. keys for hell, I'm prop close to a decade before I even touched a guitar. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like learning blues scales for the first time, and you know like a jazz chord here and jazz chord there, and like I would be like the shit like among white kids yeah. and whatnot. And um, I was, like, doing, like, auxiliary keys for, like, a church or whatever, just, like, horns and synth pads and stuff yeah. like that. And I, you know, stuff that you could mess it up, but, like, less likely to mess it up. I, wouldn't, I, I wasn't, like, the core of it, like, playing organ or, like, playing, like, you know, a main key part or anything like that. And, like, th- I was, like, just, like, okay. Like, I would actually have to, like, work really, really hard to, like, learn the songs and whatnot. And, like, as soon as I was in that mm-hmm. setting, like, in a black, I was, like, not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. It's a real eye-opener, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it's, but, it, like, if, if, if I were more involved with church, I'm sure that I could do it even now. Because ultimately, like, it's, it, it, it's vocabulary, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's time. And, you know, you, you spend enough time with it. You, you, you start to figure stuff out. But yeah. I, that was just not something that I had invested the time in. That's, that's what I was saying when I had to go back over to the, like, other side and actually start gigging. It was like, oh, yeah, you thought you knew something, but you have no clue. And then, you know, I get into, and it gets even deeper, and the the whole black versus white music line start to blur because you have, like, you know, very popular white musicians among, among black people who white musicians are very unaware of. It's just these are, like, the dudes known by pretty much only black people or, like, people who like that kind of music. 
and then the the flip side is also reversed. Like you know, cats like us, a lot of black people ain't gonna be able to tell you who like uh, the members in Fishbone are, or like the members in Living Color are, or like each member of TV on the radio, or like bands like that. They ain't gonna be able to name them. We probably could. But that's not going to be a thing for them. And then it's going to be a whole, uh, uh, the whole internet full of white dudes who can tell you everything about them. So how do you think that happened? Like, it because it all comes from the same stuff. And like, obviously, America has been still is very, very segregated. Mm-hmm. But for everybody to, you know, for when it, when it comes to the world of musicians, yeah, there's a lot of crossover between what we like and whatnot. But there's everything is so. Like down the middle. How is it, for example, like TV? Like on one hand, there's like TV on the radio, and there's Bobby Caldwell. Black folks yeah. love Bobby Caldwell. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you would be hard pressed to find any white person that knows who that is. And then same thing with TV on the radio. Like it surprises me how many black people don't be knowing that Bobby Caldwell is white, and it's still a thing. When I, when I was a kid, I didn't. Me Never either, guessed. man. Me either. It took me being a musician and then like seeing like one video and be like, oh, okay. Or like learning the song and then seeing it on YouTube and seeing the cover of him on the. I was like, wait, is that him? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they used to do that with Isley Brothers. They put, or, or Otis Redding, they put white people on the cover so it could sell. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't know whether or not that was actually him yet, but it was. But I think to answer your question, there's been a long history and practice of race music from the beginning of, from the conception of, American popular music, um, a lot of the time, and it's even shown today. And um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to break down, but it's a definite, like you said, it's a definite line down through. So in the beginning, there was country and blues, pretty much. Oh, really? What it was called was country blues, and the only difference they were playing the exact same things, pretty much. The only difference between country and blues at their inceptions were like the race of the performer. That's how that was done. So. That uh, what happens is they they start playing the same thing at first, and then they since they, since they're separated by you know, I guess with capitalism economy they need, need to sell, they start to innovate their own ways of doing things, and then those two genres separate and start playing their own uh, sort of rhythms, melodies, harmonies, what what have you, but they still borrow from each other heavily, but it's still a huge separation. Whether you like if you listen to like. Um, so you can go from, you know, like the 1920s, old school blues, old school country and stuff and hear the same exact stuff from from don't matter who it is. But it's almost it almost sounds the same because, you know, they there were there weren't that many guitars to sell like that. There weren't that many, you know, things to sing about like that. So that was the beginning. And then when we move up to towards, I guess, like the 50s, uh, late 50s, early 60s, we're getting into stuff like actual race music, what they called it, like regular stuff like country music or what people consider rock and roll because that's like post Elvis and stuff and then you get up into where they're calling jump blues and stuff like that before actual rock and roll um, race music they're calling it race music and um, that's actually where rock and roll came from a lot of people attribute rock and everybody knows that black people invented rock and roll but a lot of people attribute that to Chuck Berry and the truth is Chuck Berry was playing country music his, he was a fan of country music. That's what he liked to do. The person who invented rock and roll by mistake was Ike Turner. Uh, Ike Turner invented rock and roll because uh, he stole his cousin's band 
uh, from and took him to Memphis to record at Sun Records, and the guitar player's amplifier fell out of the truck, and they had to put it back together, and it created a nasty buzz, and that was the first sign of distortion. Lightning 88? Was that what it was called? Rocket 88. Rocket 88. <laughs> there yes. you go. Yeah, Rocket 88. Yeah. And so after that, um, both sides of the race music thing started to do that as well. They called it rock and roll over there, and they called it race music over here, progressing into places where we get like, you know, I guess uh, Hendrix, because he was playing for cats like Little Richard and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much almost the same music. And then you get up into the 60s where the hippie stuff starts to happen, and then you hear them sort of, let's say, 60s soul, like Motown and stuff like that, or like Stax, that had a definite sort of, sort of sound to it, sort of way that it was put together. Um, Stax was put together as a sort of joint effort between um, black and white musicians to play behind soul artists at the time out of Memphis or even out of Detroit because people came up from all over to play at Stax and sing at Stax. And um, Motown was a way to sell black music to white audiences. Mm -hmm. So people sort of turned that into <coughs> another type of thing and you're moving like past it uh, from the 70s, from that in the 60s on into the 70s where you like solid gold soul and that weird version of classic rock where it's like they're kind of playing the same stuff. If you listen to classic rock bands from the 70s and you listen to like Earth, Wind and & Fire and um, freaking, who else, the Isley Brothers still going at the time, they're playing the same things as like Chicago or player those types of bands as a matter of fact chicago was taught how to play by earth wind and fire but they were playing the that. same thing had the same kind of band set up were doing the same sort of harmonies but one was called rock and roll and one was called soul slash funk going to the 80s you got new wave you got 80s pop stuff like prince um michael jackson Donald Ritchie, Stevie Wonder using new, Herbie Hancock using new instruments, new sounds, almost like, you know, pretty pure electronic stuff sometimes. That was a new thing. But then <clears throat> these guys did it first, and then Europeans got a hold of it, as, you know, they usually do, and they make it, they, they make it they're good at making it. Europeans are good at making soul. I'm not going to say that, you know, blue-eyed soul is a bad thing, but they start doing stuff like that, making music like Prince and that kind of thing, and they call it New Wave. So there's still that separation. You know what I mean? That's what you talked about. Yeah. And then you get um, moving further on up into the 90s, I would say uh, looking at what Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were doing, that kind of thing, New Jack Swing going on, and then the rise of like the popular 90s boy bands, they were using the same sounds. Yeah. They were using the exact same sound as the black guys were, but it was still a separation. Moving on up into the 2000s, um, pop music is increasingly influenced by hip-hop. Increasingly, just so much so that pop music has pretty much become what hip-hop once was. And um, But there's still a separation. There's still pop music. And the separation actually goes bigger, too. Uh, if you noticed, most black music gets put on one radio station. And white music gets separated by different genres. Whereas there's always just the soul, old school R&B station or a hip hop and R&B station. That's pretty much what you get in almost every city unless you're in like Atlanta or something. Same way. Really? Mm -hmm. There's like the, the grown folks music station which plays yeah. like 
well, hell, now the grown folks, quote unquote, the the adult urban contemporary <laughs> station, like they're playing like Anthony Hamilton and Mary J. Blige, which uh-huh. like is in my lifetime. But it, yeah. it, it's also weird to think like some those records are like twenty years old now. Yeah, D'Angelo, you know, D'Angelo's old stuff anyway. Yeah, you know, strange to hear Green Day as classic rock now on like a classic rock station. So I get what you're saying because they do that now. Yeah, it's weird too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even in Atlanta, you've got like you know you've got a country station, you've got like an adult contemporary that's like the john mayer sarah barella stuff okay station you've got uh, you know your your top 40 station mm-hmm. and then there's like another top 40 station but then you've got literally the rap station in atlanta they're probably they're two rap stations mm-hmm. and then the grown folks <laughs> yeah that's how i was growing up in memphis you had one station that was a um you had you had your country your your top 40s your adult contemporary, mm-hmm. uh, your other top 40s. That was, I guess, for like a, a few younger people that would play some hip-hop songs. And you had the Grown Folk Station, and then you had the regular rap station, and then you had the other rap station that would play almost the same songs, but they would play the unedited versions just without the without the edited words, and it would just be bleeps. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where where do you see... Does, does, does radio really fit into your music consumption diet anymore? No. Yeah, me neither. Not at all. And they got old money. They'll be around for a while. But yeah, they'll be fine. It, it, yeah, they, they... Yeah, I don't see them hurting at all. No, absolutely not. People say that it's like a dying industry, but I'm like, but these idiots are still famous and they still playing it, so they'll be all right. I think that dying is the right word. Yeah. Not dead would be incorrect, but I think dying is the right word because, mm-hmm. like, all these ridiculous uh, descriptors that we just named, like mm-hmm. adult contemporary versus urban adult contemporary yeah they're uh, or they that that they're, they're they're not even genres they're radio i want to know who thought i want to know who thought those words up to describe those things because they're very uh non-descriptive what they're talking about a lot of the times it's except not, the urban part yeah that's pretty much it that's, <laughs> that's the most it. descriptive part about it um some dude in a boardroom, because mm-hmm. really what they denote is demographics, yeah. is who they're meant to be sold to. It doesn't really say anything about the music, but which it, they still tend to get wrong somehow. What do you mean? Go ahead. Uh, the demographic part. Oh, cool. the, the dig, they get their demographics wrong very much so. So what, what would be? An, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just curious. Like, what would be an example? Uh, remember how we were talking about how pop music was increasingly influenced by hip-hop going up into the 2000s mm-hmm. well that separation continued remember how we have like uh mumble rap eh, now mm-hmm. now we have now the separation is mumble rap and what what people call bro country <laughs> they're pretty much playing and singing about the same thing i swear to god it's no? hip-hop beats you you, you <laughs> had a point steve earl yeah this was this was probably three or four years ago it might have been back in 2016 steve earl gave a rolling stone interview and I think Rolling Stone is like the radio of music journalism, but that's a separate conversation. Um, he said that <laughs> Bro Country was basically rap music for... <laughs> for I remember now. Yeah. <laughs> people who are afraid of black yeah, people. That's yeah, exactly what now. he said. Which is yes. One of the most <laughs> badass things I've ever heard in my life. But he's right. What is true, because I've worked with a lot of these people who make this kind of music, mm-hmm. and um, they're not very... They're not very in the country. They're in the country as an aesthetic. That's what I was saying when they get their demographics wrong. A lot of these country people are, um, they claim outlaw country, but they're narcs. 
They will snitch on you. <laughs> they claim outlaw and this kind of stuff, and they're, they're rebels, but they're very establishmentarian. Country music has always <coughs> fascinated me. Yeah. We're, all, we're, we're all human, and yeah. we're all hypocrites or mm-hmm. contradictory in some respect. But co- country music has two more fundamental problems than two, but there, there, there's one that I've always seen. Like, if you think about, like, Chet Atkins... That's one of my favorites, yes. Yeah, like badass guitar player. Yes. But like his whole thing with like the whole Nashville sound when he was doing making records with um what's homegirl's name? Uh, Patsy Klein. Okay, yeah. Um country music every few years runs into this issue to where it's outpaced by quote unquote mainstream culture. And then you have people who want to make country music more palatable mm-hmm. for it, and then you have the guys that want to do the outlaw thing for Purists. lack of a better term. Yeah, exactly. And what's 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 different between like Patsy Cline versus like Merle Haggard or Waylon Jennings is that like Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard make cool stuff. Patsy Cline music was good too though. Mm-hmm. You know? They called that country politan because what you said was correct. What they wanted to do is make yeah. it more metropolitan. It's a funny name. Now you've got the opposite though. Yeah. Because the people that want that you've got like the bro country stuff, which is not universally hated, but it's not well received in no. the same way that like that older mm-hmm. music. But then all the people that are doing like the traditional outlaw thing, like the Margot Prices or the Sturgill Simpsons mm-hmm. or the Jason Is- Jason Isbell. Even I, I and see, I listen to those cats I, yeah. when I when I when I think of country and I want to think about country that I like. That's literally who I listen to. Jason Isbell's last few records are heat. I love J- I love Zach Brown band so much, man. He's a guitar playing fool. And then I'm big on Chris Stapleton. So this is what I don't get. If people like it and people want, quote unquote, <coughs> real country, why is there such an establishment backlash to the, quote unquote, real country? Because those people, um, and it's not, I'm not going to say, I was going to say that those people haven't done their research, but it's not the average music consumer's job to do any research on music. So that's kind of presumptuous. Those people blindly follow what they uh those people blindly follow what people around them say they don't understand they think that they're just calling themselves outlaws but they don't realize that you know you're not you're, it's not an outlaw thing at all and they when I, when we were talking about the wrong demographic quote unquote um these are rap fans if you go to the club if you go downtown to broadway and there was a club open right now like something like that that was popping like that they would not be playing country songs. They would be blasting rap. They would be funny about letting black people in the door, but they will be playing lap, rap music real, real loud. That's, that's why when I said like people in the board me- meetings get their demographics wrong, um, the biggest buying power behind hip-hop music is white people. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. That's its biggest consumer. Yeah. As white people, and not because there's um, not because there's more white people than black people and black people are minority. No, they love it. Mm. Literally, that it, that's what happens. They feel like you said they have a mistake in their head where they think that um, oh, I have to make the mu- music like this because this is what they're responding to. Mm. When in fact, they kind of preferred the separation mm-hmm. in a sense mm. because it was it's almost rebellious. It was almost rebellious, you know, for them to be listening to that kind of thing anyway. But that's the extent of their rebellion. They don't want to. They just uh, like it as entertainment. Mm-hmm. They don't. Uh, they don't want. I'm not asking. I don't think they should want to do that. But they don't want to live that life. They kind of just want to exploit it, mm-hmm. which I kind of get. But at the same time, that's where I'm like, 
uh, you kind of lose me with the whole outlaw thing. And a lot of these people go, uh, that's the whole, that's sort of a phenomenon that plays into I'm not racist, but mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, no, there's I always, that's always a loaded statement. And because you know what's coming next. Yeah. <laughs> and that's those, that, that kind of music, <laughs> that kind of music is those, that's the demographic. Literally, it that it, it that makes sense when you when you when you put it that way. It's just it's it's one of those things that like on 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 both sides of this like you know the Sturgill Simpsons of the world versus mm-hmm. the Luke Bryan's of the world. Mm-hmm. Both sides of the aisle, all I hear people do is complain. Yeah, and it's kind of like, well, what what exactly do y'all want? And and like I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm saying this as somebody that likes a lot of like seventies country. I do. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll 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 dip my foot in the dude. Pool. It'd be lit. Yeah, <laughs> that stuff is fun. <laughs> but 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 it's kind of like you you pe- people are telling you what they want and you're refusing to yeah to to, to act upon it. And I, I I've, I'm 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 thinking of this as somebody that makes music and as as a and as a consumer, I'm not really thinking of it from like an executive standpoint, but. When it comes to country music, all all people do is complain. Like with Beyonce and the CM. Remember when Beyonce did the CMAs? Yeah, and they lost their shit. Yeah, everybody was mad. Oh, well, that's not real country. But then you get real country, and you say, oh, but not that though. Not not Sturgill Simpson though. Yeah, that's not what we meant. That's all. I've, that's always been sort of a weird thing to watch. Sort of saying because what Beyonce played was more country than what a lot of y'all. Yep. What a lot of y'all act like y'all want and like if you want the (laughs) i'm not saying country is bad like i just told you um reason why i like music like that and the reason why i looked at it is because jed atkins one of my favorite guitar players jerry reed one of my favorite guitar players um i noticed that they're playing the same thing as like a lot of my favorite jazz and blues guitar players they're playing the same they're playing the same phrases the same notes the same licks and it's just like okay so then what's the then you know where's the separation i'm hearing like they said oh man this is a nice country lick but i'm like bruh i could show you a video at what point <laughs> does it become because i watch like daniel donato on instagram every now and again mm-hmm. at what country at what point does it stop being a blues lick and when does it start being a country lick um i don't whoever's playing it <laughs> yeah, good answer uh, there's no technical people can because you know you open that discussion up uh, it'll be one in the morning, and we still will, we, we still wouldn't have found uh, you know a concrete answer because there isn't one. Um, yeah. Chicken pick and licks can be country in a mug, but uh, there's a nasty R and B guitar player who plays with a uh, thumb pick like that named Eric Walls, mm-hmm. and he don't sound country, but he's playing the he's playing the same way though. But he's playing R and B, and you would never expect to hear these kind of techniques in R and B, but here they are. Mm-hmm. And he's been around for a minute. That, that that dude played for Michael Jackson for everybody. Eric Walls is incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. but people don't that, that, like that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Not everybody knows that name, and I feel like they should. Like look, look who he, look who he played for. He played for like Michael Jackson, all kinds of people. But you know, we know in guitar world, every metal guitar player for every band is listed, and we don't even listen to all of them. I listen to a lot of them, but I wouldn't mind if I opened up Guitar World and like. You know, saw the uh, saw articles or um, 
a piece on, you know, the people who have been playing this soul music you've been listening to, this stuff you grew to for the longest time. The only time I've heard that talked about in Guitar World, and I read Guitar World for a long, long time, was there's an issue, there's an issue with Prince talking about having you need a guitar player need to learn how to play some Motown stuff before they start soloing. There uh, is Lenny Kravitz talking about how he plays all of his instruments and how he plays his guitar over his bass and or like how you, how you playing over somebody else's bass because you know he had to give a lesson on you know playing like Lenny Kravitz and he's like well y'all are all looking for all this stuff and I'm gonna tell you what you need to learn is this and so that was one of the only other ones and then like the third one was John Frusciante. After that, it was it was relegated to like you know the jazz, blues, and um, jazz and blues columns in the back. There wasn't even a soul or funk thing back there. It was just a jazz and blues column in the back, and the rest of it is straight up metal. I've always <coughs> felt, and this is this is fundamentally like false. This this is changing now. Mm-hmm. I see like a lot of Belmont kids who are like obsessed with like neo soul, even though like neo soul mm-hmm. was. Just like I said, that, that's I got my like grievances a, with that too. <laughs> oh, we're, no, we're, 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 let's get into it because, like, it it, uh, and I think T- Tori Kelly was kind of like the first, at least the first person that I observed, like as she a part Belmont? of this trend. They went out. She Belmont? No, oh. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, okay. But she, she she kind of like does like neo soul pop esque. And when she came out with what she was doing. Hers was good. Her style was very original. Because I remember back in the day when she was first, first on the scene. This is before hell Instagram probably even came out. Um, Mm -hmm. She was very popular on YouTube and on Facebook. As she had a style, uh, she had a very distinct style of singing and playing while she was like tapping out her rhythms, and she had some very interesting chords. Everybody else didn't really do it like that. She still has a breaking down. If you went and broke down a lot of her old videos and even her current ones. her guitar style is very distinct and very good. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that she's bad. I was just going to say that she kind of opened the door for a lot of like white kids who are like probably under under thirty, maybe under twenty five, to get into kind of like Lauren Hill. No, that was John Mayer. Was it? Was it really? Mm-hmm. And you know, he didn't mean to because he cold blooded. I'm I'm one of his biggest fans, probably. Uh, dissecting all the stuff. I used to just go through and watch every John Mayer video I could mm. on YouTube because I had John Mayer a certain way in my head, and then I saw him play a Hendrix song, and I was like, "Bro, what?" Mm. And then I, you know, everybody, nobody knew about John Mayer like that until he did like a Live Aid thing, mm. and then he was, uh, and then like they used to have this AOL video, AOL artist thing, and he did one of those, and he started blowing up as a guitar player and not just as a pop sensation. Yeah. <coughs> he uh, definitely and like if you're somebody that listens to adult contemporary radio then you know like you know the singer songwriter John Mayer but like he, he he's mm-hmm. definitely made his mark on the world as a musician but how does mm-hmm. how does somebody make the jump from John Mayer into like neo soul retro, or, or neo soul revisionist cuz he was the one who started picking up music musicians like that and um okay John Mayer was using Cats out of D'Angelo's band and all those Pino. folks. Yeah, Pino okay. and Chris. Uh, well, I know Isaiah Sharkey has played with them before too, but definitely Pino and that sort of sound, the way John Mayer's new pop sort of blues sound, mm-hmm. it came from that type of neo soul. That makes and sense. And that, and there was, he pretty much did that with one record continuum because after that, he didn't really do that kind of groove and stuff no more. Mm-hmm. But that was such a, that was such a, hard contending point in the guitar community at the time <laughs> because it was him playing like it was you know it was anti like 
shredder, 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 shredder. And, you know, it was either, you know, John Mayer sucks and you suck if you listen to him or um, John Mayer's cool. And then stuff starts breeding stuff like that. Then you have cats um, who want to listen to Voodoo by D'Angelo over and over again because they heard John Mayer talk about it in an interview Uh, or like see John Mayer take a groove and see like where did he get that groove from bro John Mayer is doing D'Angelo grooves if you listen to like a lot of the stuff where he was uh where that trio hit on his um that trio hit with with Pino Palladino on his where the light is DVD a lot of those are D'Angelo grooves man a ton of those are D'Angelo groups. It makes sense when you, when you when you put it that way. Um, we we, we kind of got like down a rabbit hole, but what I was going to ask was <laughs> what 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 is it about the guitar community in, in particular? Because like dr- drummers are not like this. No, bass players um, aren't. Bass either. players aren't like this. It, it, this is definitely a guitar <laughs> yep. a, a guitarist kind of thing, yep. where it's kind of like it's 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 Jimi Hendrix, it's Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen, oh, rest man. his soul. It, but if it's kind of, if it, if, it, if it's like Steve Cropper or Nile Rodgers, nah, uh, uh-uh, uh, nah, none of that stuff. If it's Isaiah, Isaiah, maybe now Isaiah Sharkey is in. Wolfpack, I think, pushed a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. to the forefront. But mm-hmm. it, you know, and and they're good. I like a lot of their music, but it did have to be like the group of white dudes to be like, oh yeah, R and B actually is kind of cool. Uh, do do bruh. That like literally because like like because I was I was watching. A, <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> I was watching a Corey Wong video today, and dude's cool by the way. Dude's oh, mad cool. Oh, you met him? Yeah, yeah. He's super cool. They seem like they'd all be his pretty drummer cool. plays in my band when mine can't make it. Oh, he lives here. Word. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he, I guess he's also like his own. In, I guess they're all mm-hmm. their own entity in one mm-hmm. respect or another. He's the biggest single entity outside of them, like in uh, outside of Volpeg themselves mm-hmm. and that crew. He's the biggest single entity. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it this I guess, you know, John Mayer, Tori Kelly to a lesser degree, but mm-hmm. like this is all part of this whole like post 2010 um uh, snarky puppy is another one. Mm-hmm. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, all right guys, let's let let's yeah. let let let's re, let, let let's bring back this kind of thing, but we're going to gentrify. And like I said, they it it, it I don't want to say that they didn't do the work to like get good at it and whatnot, but like you were saying when it comes to like Guitar World magazine or something like that, so much of this music was kind of just like castigated and just like people pretended like it didn't exist. Yeah, and what was weird about it, and I, I don't know what this is about guitar. Maybe this happened, you know, with the rise of the rock guitarist, but um, <laughs> you know, like with you know, like the seventies, sixties, and seventies when that kind of thing happened, and you know, there was you know the guy standing in front. The next mo- most important guy behind him was the guitar player. I guess I don't know who thought that up, but. They had to sell records somehow, I guess. But when in okay, let me think. Think because it's this is usually only a thing in rock music too, but it's it's sort of spread itself thin among all this stuff. And I think what has happened is a lot of the times, uh, even the music gets gentrified because old school fusion. Um, these cats don't listen to it like that. And I think there's more content there. And I think the reason why people don't get into it as much is because it's not as pristine as something like Snarky Puppy in them because they sound so good. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're all college cats and they, you know, put that stuff together very meticulously. Whereas um, the stuff you see from like Tony Williams or like Aldi Miola or even John McLaughlin, it's very complex and very wild and even strange, but it's nowhere near as tightly wound as that uh, 
this sort of snarky puppy thing or even Volpec thing because Volpec is super tight. Their their style is very very tight, very 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 definite. It's a, every strike is very like whether it be the drum, the guitar, the bass melody, everything is very very on. Songwriting is good too. <clears throat> yes, it is. And I think what people are attracted to is the packaging. And that's not just the image of it. The packaging includes like how clean it is and how prist- like pristine rhythmically it is and how very, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it doesn't go outside the box because it actually does. But I think that's necessary for uh, especially bands like that because like you said, it took them to push that into the forefront. And the only reason why that got pushed into the forefront like that is because people, going back to what you said earlier, not just country, but people always need something to complain about, especially musically. <laughs> and, you know, I guess people got, got tired of the metal thing eventually, being the super rock thing eventually, because there was, always, there, was, there was a grunge revival, there was a punk revival, and it was just like, oh, man, it was the antithesis of, quote, unquote, being good at guitar. I know so many people, even in guitar world, people would say it is like, oh, yeah, man, I don't like real guitar players. But you're in a guitar magazine with your guitar. If you don't like real guitar players, you're a real guitar player. What do you mean? I don't like Steve Vai. Is it because you can't play like Steve Vai? Is that why? Like, I don't know. Like, why don't you like Steve Vai? Steve Vai can play a lot of Steve Vai can play a lot of cool stuff. If he can play that much cool stuff, then he can probably play something you like. Um, there's always been that part of guitar culture. There's literally always been like just that that antithesis of whatever is going on. That it's gotta be like, oh man, this is a problem. So I'm gonna talk about it and make something that goes against it. So like what? Because I'm like I I play guitar, but like I'm not a guitarist. Like I, guitar is something I use to write songs. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not necessarily I'm 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 adjacent to the guitar guitar community because like no, you're a guitar player. All right. Well, fine. I in in <laughs> sure. Well, this 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 is what I'm what I'm trying to get at. So, like, what what is what is the state of guitar right now in your mind? I think it's really good, man. I think guitar is in good hands. Um, uh, there are are more black guitarists on the forefront now than ever, only because of the advent of social media. Yep. That's it. There is no other reason than that. Um, there people don't people still don't know that oh man i'm listening to this raw dude i'm watching videos of like and when they're listening to their favorite pop song a new hip-hop song like that's the dude who got the call mm-hmm. that's the guy who got the call and um guitar is in very good hands because um it's not just relegated to like we were talking about earlier just to rock music like that anymore now people think of themselves as a quote-unquote hip-hop guitarist which was not a thing a while back you mm-hmm. know I would consider Tom Morello a hip-hop guitarist. People don't play hip-hop guitar like that now. People don't play guitar like Tom Morello in hip-hop at all. But I would still, like, you still get, like, more funk guitarists. Jazz is back to being popular. And, like, you know, traditional jazz. I'm not going to say good jazz because most there's so much jazz that you can't. There's no, there's never a definite way to play jazz, which is why I don't like jazz snobs from school because I went to school for jazz, too. And there's not, there's no single like, oh man, this is how you play jazz. That was never a thing. Anybody who tells you that, they're lying to your face. But there's still more jazz guitar players, even like more blues guitar players getting popular, like, you know, Kingfish and uh, Samantha Fish. And like, we got a lot of people going on right now. But one thing that's going to be detrimental. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Is if we don't let go of the old mindset because it's still there. I feel like a lot of the time 
guitar music oftentimes lends itself to the old mindset, though. Mm-hmm. This is that's not a, a, a universal truth. I think Steve Lacey is a good example of that. Not, I don't know if you're into Steve Lacey mm-hmm. or not from the internet. Yes. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. He was uh, Steve Lacey. Like he, I like that band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was a guitarist in that band. Okay. Um, but 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 generally, just just because there's so much repertoire and so much content, that's just kind of where people gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Um, when the rest of the world is kind of doing like a different thing. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, I mean, I, I I think with the internet and all the exposure that you get to different music, I think some people pick up a guitar and they'll just naturally go somewhere else. Yeah. And, but we're also in good hands because guitar ed- music education is in a different place mm-hmm. right now. You don't you don't need college right now. You never needed college to do anything in music. You never really did. That was a mindset that we all had that we've kind of grown out of, thank God. But that was a mindset that we all had that you know, I mean, you had to go to school to learn this and that. If if um if I if somebody told me that right now, I would show them several YouTube channels that could teach me what they couldn't because I spent years trying to find out certain things. And like, I've had several teachers and they couldn't tell me, but finally somebody on YouTube uploaded a video and now it's common knowledge. I spent years trying to learn how to play solo guitar. And then I find one good uh, YouTuber that knows the guitar players. I'm trying to model my solo guitar playing after, and now I'm good. Now I don't need to go to school and pay a guy, you know, all this much money a semester or like, you know, these this much hundreds of dollars in private lessons. But the problem with that is people don't want to apply themselves to learn it. They want it to fall in their lap. They want it to just they want them they want to watch the video one time and be no. like, Oh man, I can do this. Well, that's never gonna happen. No, no. That's the issue. People gotta get rid of that. I guess we're all naturally predisposed to feel that way, but you don't learn anything like that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it, even, you know, whoever your favorite musician is, really you're just watching hours and hours and hours of failure. Mm-hmm. Manifest itself and oh, I finally figured it mm-hmm. out. Because one one thing that social media has not done for us is um, has shown us how to be any more patient. <laughs> so social media has done the opposite for our patients. No, so yeah, that would be one of the detriments to guitar. That's interesting. Yeah. So when when did BB King's close the first time? BB's closed. Oh man. It was the, it was the... Like, what was the oh shit moment? It was, the oh shit moment wasn't BB's close. It was everything <laughs> close. <laughs> it was everything. But, okay, my homeboy, the dude who plays bass with me, uh, his name's Poye, and he does ships too. So he was on a ship. Oh, fuck. And him and his homies had gotten back, and we did two gigs one Sunday night. We did one at BB King's in the daytime, and we did one at this new place called Bowie's at night and I actually we have we've actually been doing that for the past few months since it's been reopened we've do we've been doing that same round and so we did one in the daytime and one at night and we were like I was like all right how are my gigs planned out because I have my trio I have an acoustic gig that I use the trio on I have my regular gigs with my band that my, my funk band that I play like different stuff with that's my main band like the stuff you hear on my EP and that kind of stuff and then I have a band where I do straight up rock music just all rock music um I had each of those bands set up to and all the days planned out. And that was like the, I think St. Patrick's Day was on a Tuesday this year. They got back on a Sunday. We did those two gigs. Then the next day we were, you know, I used to do the, the blues jam at Bourbon Street. The next day, everything shut down. Jam, no. Uh, gigs for the rest of that week, no. 
So I think it was the the Monday before St. Patrick's Day. Everything got shut down. I remember being really disappointed because I had planned to go out and like do a little raging for St. Patrick's Day. And, uh, some motherfuckers did. Um, <laughs> right. I was not one of the motherfuckers. Mm-mm. I was not. Um, so they are they are wild here still. Apparently, it's still packed. I, I don't know about today, but for a while, I, I don't think it ever really stopped being busy down there. Well, that's why I've been playing certain places. I have. I stay at Bourbon. I stay around Bourbon Street, Bowie's, Black Rabbit, and BB King's. Wow, alliteration. But yeah. I stay around. <laughs> I stay around there because for one, Bourbon Street put up a big old shield from the stage, and I was like, to be honest, even after the pandemic, I wouldn't mind if y'all did not move that because uh, people always try to like come and sit their drinks on stage and talk to you while they're playing, and this has made that so much more difficult for them. And I'm very okay with that because people will try to interrupt you in the middle of a song while you're singing, want to talk to you. Hey, can you play this song for me? Like, don't you see? I'm doing two things at once right now, man. But but yeah. Um, but as far as Broadway goes, they have been out of pocket. They've been, <laughs> they have been wild. Y'all out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> they've been real out of pocket. And they be, they be complaining like, oh man, they've been, they were like, oh man, the shutdown opened the economy, but y'all never closed. Yeah. They never closed. I went, they, I walked, I went down there after the first time where everything reopened again and there were so many people and I was like, this is disgusting. Probably gonna get sick. Left when hung around where there weren't. Didn't get sick. Knock on wood. But um, <coughs> I go back there and look sometimes, and people ask me to do gigs down there, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, man, I'm not doing it. Why? Because it's 12 o'clock, and for some reason, there's like nine people out here with their shirt off. Not only are they not wearing a mask, they're already hammered. It's noon. They're falling off of that that pedal tavern thing. They can't stay. They can't sit up. They just got out. They just got here. They just got here. And I saw and I saw it look like like Mad Max or like no man's land out here. And I was like, bro, where was this support when the quote unquote economy was open? Why weren't y'all hooking us up like this? Where and I'm also noticing y'all out here complaining about, you know, we gotta stay, we gotta stay um out here and we gotta do this, we gotta play, so you know, they can't shut us down. But why are these musicians tip jugs not full? Right. I thought that's what y'all wanted. Broadway has <laughs> got to be. I don't. Maybe in parts of Orlando, because I know there's a BB Kings down there. But mm-hmm. you, play, playing in Nashville is like being a server and a musician at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like all all the baggage mm-hmm. of being a server, but you also got to like play and like be fun and whatnot. And people just think. I don't know, you pick up a guitar one day and then, I don't know, like, the devil came and, like, touched you on the toe and then you just know shit and, like, they, they, they don't see all the, 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 the time and the effort and the practice and the moving of the gear and the moving of the gear back and the flat tires on the mm-hmm. way. To, they don't see everything that goes into it. So they just think, oh, yeah, no, he's just a guitar player. Why, why, he isn't, he's getting paid by the house, right? Why should I give him tips? Well, there's that. That's very true. That's that's the bottom line, basically, what people think when they walk into a place and see a musician, which is messed up. Um, one of the issues there, and I think that's a, that's a mistake by the public to devalue musicians in that manner because every time you take them away, you beg for they get y'all beg for them back. Ooh. Every time musicians get taken away from somewhere, they beg for them back. Whether it be, they would be replaced by a DJ or some house music, at one, at some point in time, people's gonna want some drums and some electric guitar and some bass to pump it. That's what's that's what's gonna happen. And I don't like the way musicians are devalued. I don't know how it is everywhere else, but here musicians have that devout the. 
the way people, the way venues and bar owners have devalued musicians, especially devalued musicians, especially on Broadway. That's kind of ingrained in a lot of musicians' heads. Is that's how it's supposed to be? And I don't agree with that. Only because I was, I came up differently as a musician when I started making money. I came up a little bit differently. They, um, a lot of times on Broadway, places don't have breaks. Even Kid Rock's has signs on the stage that say "Bands don't get breaks." the fuck up yeah yeah you you're 1099 <coughs> when you go down there right mm-hmm. sometimes w9 but like other times yeah first of all if you're 1099 you should be able to take a break whenever you want to take a break but yeah even even aside from that you... people get this thing man they get this thing in their head that since you're here playing guitar you should be grateful for that and oh <laughs> and i'm like first of all you first of man. all y'all ain't i know and that's that's that that i'm like so, I like I don't do that. Yeah. So, but that that honestly makes me upset. That's really really shitty, especially at a place like Kid Rock's. And I know that he doesn't fucking own it because I know that Steve Smith's bar that he licenses Kid Rock's name to and whatnot. But there there is no Broadway without the people that play. Yeah. And I know that there is a musicians union. I don't know how strong it is, and I don't know. I think it, it, I've never been a part of the musicians union, mm-hmm. but. You know, going to school for music at the end of, of my school thing, uh, one of the things was to come up here and learn about, you know, being in Nashville on Music Row and, like, take a tour of the Musicians Union and all that play, uh, all that stuff. Bro, when I tell you I got here and did none of that shit apply, not one bit, I'm not going to say the union isn't necessary or it's not important, but my guitar teacher specifically told me that he did not take, he did not go to the union because he's seen guys who were union get fined for playing non-union gigs. And I'm like, well, how many of these are out here? If you got enough, if you can find me for playing a non-union gig, then I need to make sure I need to have enough gigs to, you know, support myself to where I don't have to take a non-union gig. But the thing is, a lot of those cats are members of the union who participate in that kind of I'd say extortion down there, but I've also noticed that the gigs that pay better give breaks. Okay. That's why, you know, I play at BB Kings. They give Aaron breaks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Burma Street, they give breaks. Bowie's, they give breaks. But it's not that they give breaks. We take them. Mm -hmm. And they don't say nothing funny to us about it. You know, all these um, Broadway bands have a very bad habit of hiring sound guys who couldn't hack it as a musician and giving them a little bit of power to cattle prod bands into play into like, you know, sort of like picking up the pace and like getting on stage faster and having less time between songs. And I'm like, that's not y'all's job at all. You don't, that's one reason why I had to never take what I stopped taking Broadway gigs is because I've had issues with sound dudes. I'm not going to name nobody, but I've had issues with sound guys where it's like, Hey, I need you to hurry up a little bit. And I was like, well, I need you to not talk to me right now because I'm on stage. Well, I'm, I'm here waiting on, but you didn't tell these guys who, you know, still have booze and stuff and their all their equipment on stage and they are here talking to females and stuff. You didn't cattle prod them to get their stuff off stage. So why are you talking to us like that? And also, y'all don't want to give a break, but y'all still, y'all have, you know, all this technology controlling things from iPads. We're all on in-ears, but you can't turn on the house music for five minutes while the entire band takes a piss. You want some of the band members that's like, they want some of the band members to take a break while the lead singer stands on stage and sings a few songs, and then the lead singer takes a break while somebody else in the band sings a few songs until he gets back. And I'm like, that's not y'all's delegation. Y'all don't run my show like that. I don't care what the culture is. That's ugly. Yeah, It's very ugly. 
so I know <laughs> that there are a lot of musicians in the city and probably all across the southeast mm-hmm. and probably all across the country, if not the world, that are dying to get into one of those places. So mm-hmm. are a lot of people just willing to put up with that treatment? Some are. Some get there and don't know about it beforehand, get there and basically stop doing it. You have so many musicians. I didn't I was so surprised about how many musicians I had run into who just say, Oh yeah, I don't take Broadway gigs. I don't do Broadway. I don't play on Broadway. And I was always like, Oh man, why? Now when you figured it out. Yeah. 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 I mean I like you know, kid kid rocks. Mm-hmm. I, I like Kid Rock. I named like, that. I named that because there's literally signs on the stage that say bands don't take a break, oh. and I was like, bro, so <laughs> I didn't even know about that. But even before you told me that, I mean, like Kid Rocks is like the Death Star of Broadway. It's like obviously the tourists love it <laughs> and whatnot, but like it is, it is, it 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 is a factory of bad press. Mm-hmm. No masks. Kid Rock climbing up on the stage and giving a drunk a drunken rant talking about Joe, Joy Behar or whatever the fuck. Like Oprah. Yeah, and like in a, and that big that picture of how full they were like a music. Music festival, but that's one building. Yeah, it is a gaping pit of literally bad energy, man. Um, I, and I, I just, but, and I, we we talked about like the politics of like the outlaw, but they're also like establishment. I guess that's mm-hmm. kind of probably the musician that normally plays at Kid Rocks yes. and whatnot. But like, like you, the reason that people come in there is because there's a band on every floor. You, you're not going to tell me that I don't get a break. Yeah, dude, you're not going to tell that me that. That is fucking bullshit. Yeah, you're not going to tell me that. Because the thing is, I'm the kind of person where, you know, they're only paying, like, a lot of times, like, 50 to to $100 at most. I'm the kind of person who will just leave. It does not, <laughs> <laughs> it does not matter to me that much. Like, I'm not going to be, uh, and I'm not, like, some staunch, pompous, oh, man, I've been gigging this long, so I deserve this. No, I don't deserve anything but but normal. <laughs> That's what sucks is like when you were saying earlier, like you know nobody appreciates the music until it's gone. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like it's time for a strike to me. But no, the but thing the thing is, is somebody come right behind exactly, you and play it. There's there's yeah. some there's always going to be somebody that is willing to put up with that bad treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah I don't know I don't know. Uh, mm. And I see cats who just think that's normal and how it's supposed to be, and I'm like, you realize that's not true, right? Because when I was coming up in Memphis and we were gigging, there was not a single gig that didn't have a break. Right. That wouldn't, uh, and it's not because they wanted to give the musicians a break. Every venue understood that you know you the room needs two seconds to breathe. Yeah, I was about to say pe- people would also <laughs> like a minute. Yeah, because <laughs> music is loud. <laughs> And so you 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 should give people a a, a break before but they get ear fatigue. Are people in Memphis getting as is 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 shit faced as they are on Broadway though? I guess on Beale Street, yes. Okay. And in the suburbs, yes. Okay. That, all right. Well, that makes sense. But the only I will say that what they aren't doing, what's not happening in Memphis, is you know tourists from all over just coming and treating Matt and Nashville like they're pissing grounds. Yeah. People don't come to other cities. I don't know what that is. People come to Nashville and lose their minds. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing, because I used to play B.B. King's from um, 11.30 a.m. on a Saturday until 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I would be on stage for 30 minutes, and we would already have two to three groups of absolutely hammered bachelorettes. Mm-hmm. Hammered. Walking into BB King's, a family family establishment with giant inflatable penises, <laughs> drunk, clothes falling off of them, cussing, saying, "Can you play me a song?" And there's like a family of people with like two or three kids, like right next to, and I see like 
uh, inflatable penis just being waved around a kid's face, and he's just like, like that's the kind of thing that they don't know that they propagate when they let that kind of stuff go go yeah. over and over. Yeah, that's a real <coughs> conflict between the bar owners and yeah. and 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 the talent. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's all kind of worker abuse going on as far as the actual, you know, surface staff. Oh and, yes, um, dude, I don't know, man. Except for the places I named, I can tell you that these places, including their, um, their musicians, amongst the rest of their staff, a lot of these places have a very high turnover rate. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been playing mostly at Acme, Feed and Seed. As far as Broadway is concerned, I've pretty much only played at Acme consistently since it's open. Mm-hmm. Acme is one place that does not do that. Acme play, pays properly. The people, there are still people that I know who, who were there when Acme opened who are still working, even though the place is closed when they open again. Those people come back to work. Like, Acme isn't one of those spots, but, like, once you get past about second and third and Broadway, yeah, it starts to get a little nasty. It starts to get real moist outside. Mm-hmm. Robert's Western World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you? Oh, that's Steve. That's Steve Smith's bar too, though, isn't it? It is. I believe so. I could be wrong about that, but I think it is. You know, we went there one time, and it was like that. Wasn't like the rest of them. It was right when everything had opened back up. Um, everybody wasn't up. The band was an old school country band. With you know playing traditional country music, and uh, it was a nice vibe. It was a very nice vibe. Robert's Western Room is pretty cool. That was the first place I ever went when I came to Broadway for the first time. It was I was still living in Murfreesboro and at MTSU. It was a lot cooler back then. I went to Honky Tonk Central. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been there. That's the, that's the that's the main like I guess like I guess that's the oldest place on up there with three floors. Okay. I I actually don't I've never been into BB <coughs> Kings believe it or not mm-hmm. I've I've been to I've been in Kid Rocks I've never been there very uh, long but I've I've known people I I used to work at a restaurant and some of those people went to go over there so I would go pop my head in and say hey or whatnot for a few minutes or not I've been to Roberts Western World I've been in Redneck Riviera because I know a guy that used to play down there I've danced at Acme Feed and Seed never seen a band there but I've gone there when they've been. You like, go. You went up to the top floor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. See, bands play the first floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I think I may have seen one band there one time. I saw a band that was playing pop punk covers at Crazy Town once. That's, man. All right. So I used to play there, but that pop punk cover thing is a very other strong thing about these country <laughs> guys too. Uh-huh. They claim they're playing country, and then they'd be down here singing a. Uh, you just take some time. Yeah. For <laughs> Yeah, they were like, oh, man, we're real country. I'll see them put it on their ad and stuff. They put it on their, their post. If you want to hear some real country, come yeah. up here. I was like, dude, you're singing you're singing in sync. They didn't say sing a goddamn country song that night. It was Green Day. It was Jimmy Sublime. World. Sublime. It was uh, fucking Blink-182. They were... Yeah, n- man. They'd be like, yeah, country. And then, But then yeah. here's the issue. Now, here's the issue. When we try to get gigs at places like when we would try to get gigs at places like that before I was like, no, fuck that. When we would try to get gigs at places like that. They would tell us that we weren't country enough, but we would but we would play the country songs, though. They would come see us playing the country songs somewhere else. You know what that meant? I know everybody knows what that meant. They know what that meant when they said it. I think maybe maybe <laughs> you think Lil Nas X changed that. Are you country enough now? I don't think Lil Nas X changed that at all. <laughs> he should have. <laughs> and then, you know, 
what's crazy, dude, I think the worst thing I've ever seen on Broadway, like musically speaking, um, and the band was good. This was just, in my opinion, it was a faux pas. They did mm-hmm. lose yourself, like the Eminem, like they played mm-hmm. it, but then like he started. S- they do. Th- they're they're this. Th- I've seen this with a couple of bands. They'll play like a rap song, like a live arrangement of a rap song, and then they'll rap other rap songs <laughs> over that one rap beat. And it's like, well, this is the rap section of the show, guys. It'll be like I've seen a band. I've seen a band play a. Uh, because they do that, first of all. That's like <laughs> they a do that. That's a thing. Yeah. One of the best things, I, I play in a band with a dude named Corey Mack. And he is the, I've never seen anybody do this as good as he does it. What he does is he, we play Sweet Home Alabama. And he starts by doing nothing but a G thing. Everything he does is in tempo. It's very cool. He has like almost like 90s, almost like biggie sort of flow to him. And, like, he just hits it like that. It always sounds good. Whenever I see anybody else doing that, I've seen a band play The Joker by the Steve Miller Band for, like, 10, 15 minutes and just try to sing different songs over start rapping different songs, and just, like, just not cue anybody, just start doing this. And Okay, look, <laughs> who, who, who asked for this? Why, why is this a thing? I like why why not just do the thing where like you introduce the band and everybody does a little solo? Why why do we have to rap? I don't know because <laughs> why do we have to rap? Because that's that's as close as they can get to being colored without feeling disenfranchised. I guess I don't know, but they but people love doing that. And you know what's really funny is that they don't do the rap songs that that sampled these songs. There's songs that sampled this song. It, 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 it's, it's just <laughs> rapping, and they're it, very it, popular. It, yeah. <laughs> And it'd be very easy to play them because you're doing it right now. You ever feel like there's a disconnect between like the guys on stage and like what people? And I don't, I don't even think it's fair to say what people want to hear if you're talking about Broadway because they don't know what they want to hear. They're drunk. It's they, a they huge wanna... disconnect. The only time I've seen this go over, not even well, but without people just like, I, I, I've always seen people like cringe or like a record scratch, like, oh, they're still doing this. Like, why are they still doing that? I've always seen that. But the only time I've seen it just be ignored is when it's like after midnight on a Saturday and everybody is always already purely inebriated. I, I don't know, man. What, oh man, I can tell you some stories. Oh, dude. I, look, <laughs> what what does it look like when all when all this is over? I guess Broadway will just go back to the way it was because I guess it never really stopped. But what about like for the rest of us? Uh, you ever seen? The a big park the day after a music festival. <laughs> I've actually never been to a music festival. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I can imagine it's like the type of people. It's like the type of people who are always concerned about the earth and want to, you know, that's the kind of people who are at a music festival, hippies who are like, oh man, I love the earth. We should take care of the earth. But then after the music festival, that's the most amount of litter Shit you've ever everywhere. seen in your life. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like at the end of the night on Broadway, especially like walking back towards your car or like getting done. It's like that. And then like I've even seen like, you know, middle of the street, just huge fights. And we're just trying to walk by, get by. It's just dudes drunk who can't swing because they're so hammered. They can't. They're not fighting. They're just, you know. What I'm asking about is like venues off Broadway that have been closed because they haven't been doing shows when the this COVID shit is over. Because I know there's supposed to be a vaccine coming soon and whatnot. Because you know, <coughs> Broadway never really stopped, but everybody else did the right, the hard thing, mm-hmm. but the right thing, and stopped. Bourbon Street looks fine. Mm-hmm. Bowie's looks fine. There's no. There's never been. 
as many people as there once was because it's sort of illegal now. I mean, it's not like it's mandated that bad, but like they're they're doing their the in the places um, that I know of off Broadway like that are doing their due diligence to try to remain open and uh, sort of flatten the curve on on the virus. They they don't have people up running around willy nilly. They do have um, bartenders taking things to tables, not lines coming from the bar. There's a shield on the stage. Uh, there's hand sanitizer ports everywhere, and they actually have hand sanitizer in them. I've been on, uh, you know, I was I was doing a couple gigs at Nudie's when things first got back on Broadway, and um, that's one of the times I decided I didn't want to do that no more. But uh, when I was like, you know what, this ain't it. Why? What happened? Hmm. Did something happen? No, I was just well. I th- to be honest, um, it was one of those situations. I think where the uh, the band I was playing in, because it wasn't mine, the band I was playing in. I'm gonna be honest. This happens a lot. Uh, got got too popular amongst the staff. I feel like I know where you're going with this. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> got too popular amongst the staff. And uh, you know there were. One member of the band, one member of the band wasn't uh, colored, but the rest of us were. And um, I'll say that once the staff sort of started to like us and people started to enjoy us, I would notice sound guys and you know bookers start you know getting side eye and cross a little bit and a little you know feeling some type of way. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I know you have these gigs booked, but. Uh, we're going to go a different direction. And that's another reason why I was like, you know what? I'm real tired of that because I'm real tired of showing up on time and then like having that on my schedule and then y'all do that. But um, they, uh, that, that's what happened there. They, um, I feel like they get, they start feeling funny and then they uh, get rid of us. I don't, it just dude, that it, that life just does not sound fun. It's not that it's terrible because these guys, the guys that I play with, they still be down on Broadway playing. They got their own gig. They're straight. You know, it's just something that I didn't want to do. But um, when I and I didn't really quit. It was just that I didn't seek it out afterwards. There was no there was no like oh you guys are fired or um I don't need you to show up next time. It was it was more like a we're good. Let me ask you about this EP. Um, it, are some of those like live? No, no. Did all all from home? Mm, or a lot of it is from home. It was finished from home, but like the drums were recorded in a studio down in Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro recording. Which okay, I don't know that one. Um, you played? Did you, did you play everything on these or? No, I played piano. I played all the keys and the guitar, and I played bass on one track. Word up. I uh I like that song. I think it's called Darling. I played bass you, on that one. Okay, you but you you play the synths too. Yeah, dude, what synths for those that you were using on that man? I usually just try to find a good square wave. Word. Yeah, I Ooh. don't really know synths like that. I just like you did. Like I took piano and stuff, so I I still know piano. I play piano on gigs a lot, but mm. yeah, I still I, got it. I was playing that song on repeat. That was real real cool. Thanks. How long has it been out? Since uh January. Okay, so that's relatively recent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I, gonna do stuff, but you know, say what now? I was gonna do stuff, but you know, yeah. The, well, the, the world got weird. <laughs> yeah, I um, I didn't know. Like I was, like I said, I was like looking through your Instagram just to like kind of get to know you digitally for a little bit, and I was like, oh, he has music out. I didn't know that he actually made music. I thought that you like you just like you just played. 
No, man, I try to do both. I like being a front man and a side man. I mm-hmm. think that's a good career choice for any musician who can sing mm-hmm. or who wants to sing. I like doing both. I don't, I don't, uh, that's why when I was telling you I don't believe in uh, rhythm and lead guitar players. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if you have a guitar, why, why don't you want to just, you know, learn it? You know? mm-hmm. I have one, so why don't. No, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean,. Yeah, everybody wants to solo a little bit at some point. Yeah. Um, but um, and it's easier to solo than it is to play guitar and sing at the same time. I would agree. I would agree. But I guess you also gravitate to whichever one you spend the most time doing. Like, you know, if you if you make yourself do one, you'll do one. Mm-hmm. I think there, um, outside of the blues, I don't think a whole lot of guys force themselves to, to do both. Like, <coughs> that's, that's part of being a blues player is doing both. Yeah. Um, I guess that's where I come from too, because I'm mm-hmm. I consider myself a blues guy. Yeah, yeah. So who's like, what's hot in blues these days? Kingfish. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Uh, there's a band, really, really good friends with them actually, uh, out of Memphis called Southern Avenue. Mm-hmm. They're popping off in blues. Uh, there is an, a guitar player, it's an older lady, who's really good. Um, Joe bon, uh, Joe Bonamassa endor- like endorses her, I guess mentors her. Her name is Joanna Connor. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen videos of her. You've probably seen her playing slide on a video. It's been one video circulating for a long time. Uh, Joe Bonamassa, of course, and a good friend of mine, like my favorite guitar player, his name's Eric Gales. He's mad popping in the blues scene. He has been for a long time, though. He is, uh, many consider him the best in the world because he is that good, mm-hmm. but like he... He's a singer, and he is a complete virtuoso guitar player. Mm-hmm. Like, like next next level. You wouldn't think that. It's so much so that you wouldn't think that you wouldn't think to call him blues, but that's what he calls himself. So that's what he is. What are you looking for when you when you when you quantify somebody as the best? What is it that you want to hear, or what is it that they're showing you that makes you say that? Oh, that's that's the guy right there. The best is subjective, mm-hmm. but. If you can get out some nasty ideas, some cool ideas in a short span of time, like a few bars, or if you got, you know, good, if you got good, you know, phrasing choice, uh, chops are one thing. And I like chops. I like playing fast. I like to listen to people playing fast. But if you're just, if you're just uh, playing the same thing fast over and over again, yeah. I would, a human will get bored. Anybody will get bored. And um, <clears throat> so that's where I started to gravitate towards, like, you know, more of the jazz fusion and blues guys and, like, what we have these days. But um, as far as the best is concerned, I don't know if I look for anything or anybody to be, like, the best at some. I just look to get, like, surprised a little bit. Okay. I, ju- I do my best nowadays to turn off my analytical mind when I'm listening to music because mm-hmm. it's been on for a long time. Even no, be- <laughs> I feel that. I've- even before it should have been. I actually have to relearn to enjoy listening to music Man. every so often. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't think I have that problem anymore, um, but I did for a while. Um, I, I think I just, over, over time I just grew out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you about this. If you really sat and take inventory, take an inventory on how many people we lost this year, and I when I say that, I, I, I'm not talking about COVID specifically, although I also kind of am, but I'm specifically talking about the music world. Yeah, because we ain't said shit about Bill Withers. No, we haven't. We ain't said shit. And that's just one. That's just 
just one. I no, dude. I I made a list before you got here, and I even and like I knew it was a lot of people too. But then I like I, every time I saw, it, I was like, damn, I fucking forgot about that one too. Mm-hmm. Neil Pert was in January, mm-hmm. um, and then from that point on, I don't know what the order, but just like some of the names, John Prine was a big one for a Man. lot of people, dude. Kenny Rogers, yeah, and. I can't. That was so convoluted. I can't remember. I know Bill Withers was before Prime, but I don't know where Kenny Rogers falls into that. I just remember reading it and just happening. I don't remember it happening. <laughs> I do. See, that's messed up. I do, but I forgot. Um, and Bill Bill Withers had a good run, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Withers, I think he was in his eighties, mm-hmm. man. Bill, you know, Bill Withers didn't start like making music till he was like thirty three, thirty two, thirty two, and okay. he stuttered. I didn't know he stuttered. He, uh, him, and Sam Jackson, both famous stutterers. It was Sam Jackson's mm. acting. He doesn't. He doesn't. Ha- he doesn't stutter because he knows the line. Mm. Bill Withers was singing. He didn't stutter because he had rhythm. I swear, I didn't know that. Yeah, where he's not from Memphis, is he? Where's Bill Withers from? Uh, I don't know, but he's not from Memphis. He was from. Um, uh, I had that in my. Th- he might have been somewhere from New York, something like that. He was in the military. He might have been from around New York. I don't know. But I might be completely wrong on that. Do not quote me. Dude, you <laughs> want to talk about a story? One of like my last night out before coronavirus happened, I went to go do karaoke at um, Friends. Friends. No, Friends. Like over down by uh, past Lipstick Lounge. It's the karaoke oh, bar. Okay, okay, okay. And. Um, I, I love karaoke, but some somebody sang "Lean on Me." It was not me. It, it was a white person. <laughs> it was a white person, and it was a bar full of white people, and everybody was drunk as fuck. But like everybody was best friends. Like, like that shit, and like people get me wrong too talking about that because like my wife is white, hmm. so it's like people think, man, you got so many problems with white people. I was no, like, How? no, it's I was like, well, no, not really, because you know, I mean, I've dealt with them for a long time. We, no, we're, we're just clowning. It, 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 like you know, I think like a lot of white people can take it in stride and be a good sport about it. Yeah. No, it, it it is it is funny to see a bunch of drunk mm-hmm. white people singing Bill Withers, um, singing "Lean on Me" at that. Um, that's one of my favorites, man. Mine is freaking "Use Me" and just the two of us. Just the two of us. Yeah. And to me, that was one of those songs that I had to learn in older age was his song. that When I was growing up, that was a Will Smith song. To uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to do that, Will. <laughs> From the first time the doctor raised you with my... No, I, they used to play that shit on radio. You know what's Disney. messed up? Was that? You know what's real messed up? He doesn't talk about that son anymore. No, he sure doesn't. <laughs> Where is that fucking kid? He's the one. He's older. He's our age, bro. He's older than Jay- <laughs> Jaden. <laughs> I don't talk about him. Because yeah, no that was from his first wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, rest in power, Bill Withers. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Huge Dude, point. yeah. I, I mean, this list was just musicians. I didn't even think about that. Hell. I, nobody knew he was sick. No, and what's crazy is that we made fun of Dude. Yeah. There were so many memes of him, like, just, like, the people making fun of him, like, doing this while he just, like, they said, oh, man, he tired of being, he's like, Wakanda, not so much. He said, Wakanda forever. And this dude's literally fighting sick. cancer. That's messed. That, that struck me. But he got a lot done in that mm-hmm. time. I think that, uh, you know, I'm no medical expert, but I believe that what happened with him was the pandemic. I don't think the the COVID took him, but I think that the complications with having hospitals full and so many different sick people and, you know, alloca- uh, you know allocated resources probably had something to do with, like, you know, that dude had enough money. And he said he was confident that he was going to be fine. But, you know, come you got, August. I had not thought about that. You got a good point because they, they, they did cut down all, all the, I think they call them non-essential procedures or whatnot. What did you think about uh, Get On Up, the 
James Brown movie. Very well done. Yeah. One of the few uh, biopics that uh, got a lot. I won't say got a lot right. I had a friend pulling a trumpet in that movie. Oh, no, but um, uh, very. You know, he did his own dancing and a lot of times his own singing. Mm. That was him. Mm. Uh, very well done. Um, and it was just a good movie. Uh, we grow up thinking we know good biopics and then I go, go back and watch them and there's so many cringe and laugh moments, you know, <laughs> like the Temptations or the Jackson 5 movie. Those are some of my favorite movies, but I'll be looking at it and I'm like, I used to love this. this I'm not going to lie. I, I will I will watch the Temptations any day. <laughs> Me too. It's, is, it, is, it, is it good? No, but it, it's a movie that knows what it is and doesn't think that it's any yeah. more than what it is. I'll watch the Jackson like that. I, cause if, I mean, if nothing else, I mean, it, it, it certainly introduces you to a lot of music that you might not have otherwise heard. For some people, maybe their parents played those records. Okay, put it this way. Answer your question probably, and since we're going down that, I think that uh, Get On Up was What's Love Got to Do With It Good. What's wrong with What's Love Got to Do With It? No, it was good. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It was good. It, I, it was better than The Temptations in the Jackson 5 movie. Oh, yeah. But it's then, Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. It oh, was incredible. I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I got you. I got yeah. you. I got you. I think she's got a book out, Tina Turner. Yes, yes, I did see that. I I didn't read it. I don't know anything yeah. about it or whatnot. Yeah. I think she's still on tour. I think Ike's been gone for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray has always really been my favorite biopic, though. Man. I think that one was really well done. And John, J- Jamie Foxx obviously killed it in that movie. That probably takes precedence over the other two. As a oh, matter of fact. I don't... When it comes to, 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 to musician biographies, I don't think it's ever been done. Maybe Walk the Line. Because, you know, a lot of those... He was playing that. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx can play piano. A lot yeah. of that stuff, he was playing. Walk the Line was... I don't like Johnny, right. Johnny Cash as much as Ray Charles, but... I do. I used to have to study that. I used to be a tour guide in Memphis, a singing tour guide. That's how I know a lot of these songs. That sounds like the worst job ever. I'm sorry. Did you like it? It could have been. Oh, it very well could have been. But it was. I was on a bus, and I was facing the odd... Uh, it was like one seat facing this way, and um, I was just playing my acoustic guitar, and, bro, I made bank. And okay. it wasn't, it, they didn't make me be a minstrel show. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was, wasn't bad. I was, I, when I say I'm a singing tour guide, I'm not like musically, music theater prancing and leading people around a, a, a museum saying, ah, ha, ha, this is the, this is the place. No, when we would stop at Johnny Cash's house, I would play Folsom Prison Blues. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. When we'd go by like stacks, I would play sitting on dock of the bay. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. That, yeah. And when you explained it, that doesn't sound as bad. Yeah. It probably required that explanation. <laughs> I don't think I could do that job. But, <laughs> like, I, I, hell, I'll, I'll find something to hate about any job, though. <laughs> um, were you into Toots and the Maytals? Not as much as other things, but, yeah. I didn't, so I knew Toots Hibbert died, because I, 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 I like a lot of their music. Um, oh, I did not. But he, he, he died... And but so did one of the guitarists in the band. He died before Toots did. Hmm. Um, Peter Green. Wait, that's you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was another one. I I, I must have missed that one too. Cause I'm I'm a not that big of a Fleetwood Mac fan, but hmm. I like his work. Okay, so who are Fleetwood Mac fans, other than like people who are like New Age witches? Cause like. I, I like I, I maybe like in growing up like my my dad is he'll be sixty five this month. Mm-hmm. I would hear an Eagle song here or there or a James Taylor song 
here and there, like as far as like you know, like white yeah. bands from the seventies. I don't think I ever heard any Fleetwood Mac. Well, you ever heard? Um, first of all, I mean, I've heard them now as an adult, but like as a kid. Oh, uh, growing up as a kid, the only Fleetwood Mac I really heard was they sampled uh, the White Winged Dove song on Bootylicious, but. Uh, <laughs> edge of seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Digga, 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 yeah, digga. yeah, yeah. That was the most Fleetwood Mac I'd heard as a child. Hmm. But um, and I tried to get into Fleetwood Mac more, but I, you know, end up getting into Fleetwood Mac because of bands playing them. One thing that I've noticed, and uh, probably gonna get some flack for this, somebody hear it, but I never could. I never liked Stevie Nicks singing. I don't think she could sing. But everybody who likes Stevie Nicks and play like in bands that I hang out with and plays that stuff, they can sing. Okay. With that being said, I know who <coughs> I know who the Fleetwood Mac fans are. Mm-hmm. It's people that like the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, but now just the Chicks because they did landslide and then they made it a hit again in two thousand and four. Yeah, I feel like that's probably because I. I I'm a little too young to really remember, but I wonder what the state of like Fleetwood Mac nostalgia was before Dixie Chicks brought Landslide back. Well, it, it probably wasn't in where it was now because, you know, they didn't have, people didn't, you know, buy a Fleetwood Mac merch like that. I used to work at Hot Topic. We didn't sell that stuff like that. We sold tons of classic rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Anybody said that wouldn't, but there were no Fleetwood Mac shirts or anything like that or like their symbol on anything. Like there was like, you know, the Zoso thing for Zeppelin. Or you know the Black Sabbath album cover on she shirts mm-hmm. didn't have Fleetwood Mac stuff like that, but she did show up on American Horror Story. Yep, she sure did. Yeah, she sure did. I, I back when like you know Hot Topic was like hot hot, Fleetwood Mac wasn't edgy enough. Mm-mm. But it it's at some point I don't I, I don't know if it's because like they have that song Rhiannon or if it's because American Horror Story. But apparently like Stevie Witch, Stevie Nicks has become like a witch icon, which makes her edgy. Yeah, I don't understand how she became a witch icon either because I don't see uh, from the songs that I know. Yeah, there's one are, song about a witch. There's a lot of other witchy music, like you know, like Hooch Coochie Man. I mean, like all of Jimi Hendrix's acid laced songs. You know, little <coughs> Carlos Santana for you. There you go. Uh, we okay on time? Typically, yeah, I go yeah, no, we're good. Right. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. And then I think the Eagles got. They literally have a song called "Witchy Woman." Um. Yes, they do, and it's lit. We talked about Lil Richard a couple of times today already, mm-hmm. but we lost him this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been it's been a hard year, bro. Um, and Dang. I, I mean, I guess it's also just you know, like we're in 2020. I mean, a lot of these guys are born in the 30s or 40s. Um, yeah, and you know, it's crazy sometimes when when you think of like you know we've lost some of these guys to COVID, but a lot of these guys we've lost to old age, and like uh, I would think about like how many folks these guys outlived. Like that was insane to me that uh, Little Richard outlived Michael Jackson, Jimi Hendrix, and Prince. That's nuts, and that's incredible. I think the same thing about Smokey Robinson and Bill Withers and Smokey Smokey Robinson. Mm-hmm. All those guys. All right, so I want to see how you feel about this because I've always I look Smokey and I wrote a lot of hits, but let me tell you something about him and Barry. <laughs> There's always seemed to be something of a dark cloud that's hung over Motown. It looks like Stevie Wonder kind of got out of it because he like dipped out and then did the Tamla thing. Um, but Barry Gordy and, and, and Smokey Robinson have made a lot of money off those records, and they're still. I think Barry Gordy is in his nineties. Maybe that's what's taking him. And maybe that's what's keeping look, him alive. This motherfucker's <laughs> in good shape. 
But Marvin Gaye, half the Temptations, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Tammy Tammy Terrell. Uh, who else from 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 that era? Like died and like they they basically made a bunch of money off these people and then kind of just left them out to to fight addiction and money troubles <coughs> and I you know I get some people say well you, they they didn't have to sign the paper no man like, because they even did it to the musicians you know James Jamerson you know the Motown twenty fifth thing where Michael Jackson debuted the Moonwalk mm-hmm. James Jamerson scalped a ticket to that but he's playing all the records I think he I, dude I think he was under fifty when he died. That's, dude, that, that is him on all them tracks. That's what I'm saying. Like, like people don't. That's what that's what I'm talking about. Like you gotta. <clears throat> that's why I sort of was talking about all that stuff with downtown and how I don't like how they devalue musicians because they will do that to us. You know, they'll do that to a bunch of musicians and then just leave them out to the dry. They'll replace you in the next week like a like an employee, mm-hmm. and that's what they probably do at record labels as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's not like. Um, it's not just like these guys go and decide to go and get addicted to drugs. I mean, they decide to go do them, but at a lot of times, it's pushed on them yep. by the label mm-hmm. to, for, to keep them working, mm-hmm. to keep them making money. And I'm, Motown was one of those things where I looked at where I'm like, I feel like the whole story isn't told properly. There's some, there's so many things we don't know. I've seen a lot of documentaries and you know, quote unquote biopics, but there's still some like errant like. I feel like y'all, inti- <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't tell everybody everything either, probably shouldn't, but I feel like there's more to the story, like, um, how much of musicians' contributions are you taking advantage of and putting your name on it and you still get money for it, but they don't, or nor do, they fa- nor do their families? Oh, I think 100%, I mean, as, as influential it w- as it was to music history, I think it was absolutely Barry Gordy taking advantage of a bunch of people. That's I think what it he was. taught people those habits. Michael Jackson was notoriously greedy. Michael Jackson is one of my favorite musicians. Mm. Michael Jackson was notoriously greedy. Yeah, he was Paul McCartney. To, he was, yeah, <laughs> but even before that, that wasn't even that wasn't even that. That was just a power move. Just yeah. he just because it was available and he bought it. Yeah. I think Paul McCartney was just mad because Michael Jackson got those and somebody else did. Like, because I mean, like who? Because he, he Paul, Paul didn't have them. Who else was gonna buy it? Like, you, would you have been less angry if a, if a label exec bought it from you and hang, held it over your head, or You're like right. if your friend, if your if your friend has the opportunity? Because that was that was the end of their friendship because of because of Paul's anger to him, not because you know he, Michael Jackson didn't give them back to him, but it's not like Michael Jackson just kept them away from him. What I'm saying is, I think Barry Gordy or some, being around that taught Michael Jackson those tricks to work. Because like the song "Human Nature" was written by one of the dudes from Toto. He is not listed as the writer. Oh, dang. So what? Did Michael <coughs> buy him out of his rights? To the song? No, he didn't buy him out of his rights. He's not listed as the writer. <laughs> Michael Jackson is. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. These pub, these people were never bought. That's why I was. I was why, that's I've always been selective about who I go into a studio with and what I give people when I'm yeah. working on things. I don't want to sit around telling people, oh, man, this doesn't sound good. You should do this. I don't like doing that because people start letting me work too much and then being like, oh, man, yeah, I came up with all this. Let me tell you something. So I don't I don't doubt that he was greedy. Sure don't. Um and it, that's that's dirty because like to, 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 like members of Toto are like overwhelmingly responsible for the success that Thriller was. Mm-hmm. Hell, Eddie Van Halen too was on that shit. A lot of, like a, a lot of musicians that had like very fruitful solo careers of their own made that record happen. Um, but now and I so I I don't co-write. Like I I I I I, I do my thing and I have never. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it, but I have never. People ask me a lot, and I've never done it. I'm not built for it. Not nah, like I, 
I I'm very particular about what I like and I know what I want to hear and I know how I want to do it. So it it it's it I have a very hard time seeing work. I have a super but, strong respect for that and, and I have even bigger respect for the honesty. Oh about yeah. It. But it's also one of those <laughs> things to where it's like like I grew up playing in the house. So like a lot of the records that like, you know, we grew up in either from learning music or yeah. like just what our parents listen to. Because like, you make some know. good stuff. I remember I I messaged you on Instagram because I was perusing Reddit. Mm. And I was like, dude, is this? It is. That <laughs> <laughs> hit you. I was like, this is you, isn't it? <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I do. Um, but it's so weird. Like, I I didn't get like I didn't get out of the house a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I was like always in the house, so I mm-hmm. was like always finding weird shit. And like I grew up listening to like Sam Cooke and Stevie Wonder, but like I also found like some weird shit on the internet eventually. And, and I've never really found people like people that are close to me that like a lot of the music that I like. So sometimes I'm kind of just out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when I was still playing live, nobody in that the, they they were all good friends of mine, but nobody in my band was listening to Mac DeMarco. It was just me. Yeah. And that gets kind of lonely sometimes, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, no, I'm not going to do any co-writes. The only reason I brought co-writes up is because now you have the opposite problem, is that literally if you pull up any song ever written in the past, like, 10, 15 years, there are, like, two dozen writers on it because everybody has learned their lesson from beat. They don't want to beat the dude from fucking Toto on human nature being like, oh, fuck. There's two sides to that, too. Go for it. Um, they don't. They shouldn't be that dude from Toto, but a lot of the times when you're pulling up those songs... Those are not actual contributors. Those are contributors in name only. I've mm-hmm. been in a session in Atlanta, mm-hmm. or more than one. I've been in a few sessions, uh, and the one I remember most was in Atlanta with a very famous producer. Um, and um, what I noticed was he had just a room full of yes men. Mm-hmm. There was no shortage of food, liquor, mm-hmm. drugs, and yes men. <laughs> it was just yes man sitting around. I was just there as a session player. I was literally only there to play guitar. I had my friend with me playing bass. And what they wanted to do was let us create and then take it all. And we wouldn't because we were like, well, what do y'all want us to play to? And they were like, well, we're starting from scratch. I was like, yeah, but what, do you, what, what, do you, what, what, what are we playing on? We'll help you create. But, like, do we get our writing credits? They're like, no, we're not really doing that. But these yes men who are sitting around coming up with, like, stupid lines and, like, just talking and, like, bad rhymes, quote-unquote songwriting, mm-hmm. they're getting songwriting credits while we're literally over here writing them a song. So I'm like, no, you can just pay me what you were going to pay me, and it's already 4 in the morning, so I can just leave. But they're... There's a very big issue of people taking musicians' work who know how to write mm. and then uh, saying they were just a musician mm. and then calling themselves the writers. Mm. People who know how to hit a beat pad, who don't know how to engineer, but who know how to hit a beat pad and come up with stuff or come up with stuff that they think sounds good. Um, they're the ones listed on a lot of these tracks as writers. I'm not going to say that's the entirety of what's going on there, especially in hip-hop, but... That there is a big piece of the culture that is that and only that, where it's like when you go listen, look at all these, like how did all these people, like how did ten people write a a a, a, a minute and fifty second song? Mm-hmm. Like you, all of y'all were not necessary. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I know that there's industry standards and people. This is what we do in the industry and stuff, but it does not take ten individuals to write a one. It doesn't take ten individuals to write one song like that when you know. Prince Lenny Kravitz, Sly Stone could just do it by themselves. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's dumb, <coughs> mm-hmm. and but I, I think that 
maybe you know there there are extreme examples, but in other instances, I think there are probably instances where people there's still like one central contributor that probably did most of the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. but maybe somebody else like you know they did an important part, and everybody wants to get their piece, and I get it. But those people are getting paid still. Yeah, that's my issue. Is if your name is on that, and you're looking up writers, and you can find it. They're they're getting a they're getting a quarterly check. This is let me let me ask you about this. This is several years old now, but I'm sure that you followed it when it happened. Should the Marvin Gaye estate have won the Blurred Lines case? No, me, I don't think so either. Absolutely not. No, God, that means every blues artist ever should sue each other. I I, I cannot, and I look I, like you know what I mean. Like okay, this uh, so how are you going to how they didn't copy the groove. Like they think they did. I don't. Th- I. I. I think it's a stretch. I'm man. sorry, but to say that blurred lines is anywhere close to got to give no, it up is no, a no, big no, mistake. No, 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 no. Not even is a big mistake. The base. First of all, there's a whole Jamerson bass line on this tune. It's in two different, very different keys. They have different grooves. It's just you can't. You can't copyright one to five in chord progressions. That's not fair. That's that's the only thing you're doing there is copywriting going from one to a five. I I don't even know who pointed it out. It hurt, because they, you remember there was a time you could not get away from that song. No. And no, at, no, at no point ever did I think that it sounded like Marvin Gaye. No, it no, doesn't. No, I, I still don't It doesn't think sound it. like Marvin Gaye. And, and and it might not even like a little bit to me. It doesn't even no. sound like Marvin. It doesn't even sound like Robin Thicke trying to be Marvin Gaye. Mm-mm. I don't. I, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with Robin Thicke. I seen dude live. I love that dude's work. Um, he has a lot of soul influences. But I don't think they. A lot of them might be Marvin Gaye, but I don't think he was trying to be Marvin Gaye in this instance. No. And if that was such a big thing, then why hasn't anyone made a uh, a fuss about that Ed Sheeran tune? What is very obviously let let's get it on. Oh. They, they, I think, so I know that he lost to TLC. Well, he didn't lose to TLC. What he did was they did a preemptive payout Mm -hmm. to avoid a lawsuit. I'm surprised that if they didn't, let's look it up, the family didn't come for that because that is Let's Get It On. Yeah. Like, 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 like that shouldn't, got to give it up and, and Blurred Lines shouldn't have been that discussion. There's a lot of songs that are very obvious ripoffs. Okay, so they sued him at least. They've sued him at least. This is from June twelfth of this year. Ed Sheeran sued again over "Let's Get It On" slump. So I guess, but Ed Sheeran probably got more lawyer money than and, and Pharrell. He's been around for a long time. Ti, Robin Thicke, none of them got Ed Sheeran money, bro. I don't think so, because because this nah. this, this this is the thing. All those dudes are over forty. Every last one of them. Yeah. If. COVID non with stand- before COVID hit, Ed Sheeran was still selling out stadiums. I mean, yeah, but I don't, the, the, you know, T.I. and Pharrell <clears throat> could still sell out a, a stadium too. I don't know about Robin Thicke. Pharrell probably has close to Ed Sheeran money. T.I., I wonder about. I'm not mm. going to lie. Uh, because T.I. is on a reality show. T.I. is on a reality That's show. C- but T.I. is also a part of the MCU. Oh yeah, he is an Ant Man, isn't he? He's in both. Uh, he's in both Ant Mans, and that's the, that's a strong residual, and that's not, Look, that's not something you can just get. Let me, let me see what's <laughs> going on with this case. And uh, and Ti has never stopped selling records. You 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 might be right. No, I'm I'm not sure. If 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 I were a betting man, I would say that that Pharrell is certainly in a stronger financial position than Ti. That's true. That that's not yeah. That's not what I'm. That's yeah. I'd probably put T.I. over Robin Thicke, maybe. But then I would again, put T.I. over Robin Thicke, and I would put Pharrell over T.I. But I wouldn't, and I'm, I would put 
Sheeran over Robin Thicke, but I don't know about uh, I don't know about putting Sheeran over Ti. Why are we talk about this like we can't just Google it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, let me Google Ed Sheeran's net worth. This lawsuit about uh, let's get it on Ed Sheeran is still pending as of June, so we don't know what's going to happen yet. But they trying to sue the shit out of this man, and in that case, yes, they should fucking win. I don't understand why they went for Pharrell and Ti first and not Ed Sheeran. Yeah, but but the thing is, this there's be an- so many of those because like that song "Waiting on the World to Change," that's sexual healing. Yep. I always thought it sounded more like a Curtis Mayfield knockoff, but it is it is it is sexual. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's even more of a Marvin Gaye bite because the way he hits his bridge is the same Marvin Gaye hits the same way Marvin Gaye hits the bridge on what's going on. Yeah. I don't know, man. And then like we talking about a simple ass song like uh talking about a simple ass song like uh Blurred Lines. See, they're putting Ed Sheeran's net worth at two hundred and seven million US dollars. Mm-hmm. I just don't see Pharrell hitting that, bro. Let me Google Pharrell's net worth. I see him hitting a lot more. Not no bill or nothing, but more than two. He's close. Estimated to be 150. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, T.I.? Because, like, like, let me look up T.I. I, I, like, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm not put, worried about Robin Thicke, but I do nah. want to know T.I. Because, <laughs> like, remember, like, Pharrell had was for the fucking theme song for Despicable Me, so he yeah. got the movie deal, but then it was also a song, and, and then he, yeah. you know, he does shit with yeah. fucking Ed Sheeran, too. Yeah, and Happy has is, is not stopped selling. Oh, dude, you can, when I tell you, you could not go anywhere. No. We had to do it on the ship. We had to do it here. We had to do it. <laughs> we had to do it everywhere. 50 mil, which, hey, that's more than I got. Jesus Christ. That's what? more than I got. Look what we talking about right now. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Like. I just, like, because, like, it's like, hip-hop moves fast, man. Yes. Like, they, they will be playing, whatever happens with the lawsuit, they're going to be playing, thinking out loud, mm-hmm. 25 years from the now. The song is not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, the song is... And people play the songs together, right? That's what you do. That to me, as uh, not as not just as a musician who's been out playing like that, but as a person who's seen so many bands do it. I know y'all who go out to bars drinking, watching live music. I know y'all hear bands doing this. Mm-hmm. I know y'all hear bands putting these two songs together. Mm-hmm. I know y'all hear it. So like, why are we worried about a simple <laughs> song like uh, Blurred Lines when it's a very obvious? I wouldn't say copy, but a very obvious strong borrow. <laughs> yeah. Intentional strong borrow. Like you can't you can't write thinking out loud and not know. Oh no. You can't write that and then not know that that's where you're going. I'm I'm I just I don't get how they've had to sue multiple times for that song, but they won for blurred lines. That's what that's 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 complete bullshit. Is it the was it the, the was it the judge and jury or was it the fucking lawyer? Like I who, think who? it's the people I think it's a lot of times what we deal with in the music industry now. I think that it's people's hands in it, don't matter who it is, but they can't play music. Mm-hmm. I think there's way too many people who know how to play music who don't who go off and do things like that and they don't put their hands in enough musician stuff to, to help us out because they know better. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that was one of the issues with cruise ships is that, you know, they started shooting themselves in the foot because they started hiring more and more corporate people, started dissolving positions and put different people in other positions that didn't play music as so, or didn't entertain, period, and putting them over entertainment or giving them a place in entertainment. And then their entertainment started to suffer and then they got to go clean up after themselves after that. And what's that person going to do? They're not going to blame themselves. They're going to blame the entertainers. That's what's always going to happen is they're going to blame the entertainers. So what that does is that makes them uh, find more entertainers for cheaper. And then you have you have 
worse art, art that isn't as good. And then you start getting down to, you start dwindling down to the fact that, oh man, stuff starts getting copied. You know, Eric Sheeran rewrites, let's get it on. Robin Thicke, Pharrell, and T.I. get together and put together a simple song. And now people are like, oh man, got to give it. That's definitely Marvin Gaye. No, that was somebody's decision. That wasn't the public. Somebody, somebody decided to start complaining about that. And somebody didn't decide to start complaining about Ed Sheeran and Marvin Gaye. Okay, let me ask you about another one. So Sam Smith and Tom Petty, because so Sam Smith did stay with me, mm-hmm. and the Tom Petty, I think he, I don't, I can't remember if he was gone already, but it's it's it, it it's a very similar melody to "Won't Back Down" by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It is, and oh no, they so they. Uh, I never thought about the, that. The, the Tom Petty estate is getting a cut of that song. What they what they ended up doing was they like the Tom Petty estate pointed it out, and then to avoid a lawsuit, Sam Smith did the same thing that Ed Sheeran did with TLC. He was just like, "All right, we're gonna give you a cut of the song. Don't take us to court. I'll just give you some of the money." Um, and I that, think both of those songs are so simple that people can just stumble across those melodies and those chords. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was a deliberate bite. Mm-hmm. I don't think whoever wrote that song tried to bite a Tom Petty song. Yeah, and but what the thing is, like that that Sam Smith case is post Blurred Lines because mm-hmm. this is a significantly less popular song. Both of them are, but so Lil Nas X of Old Town Road fame. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the homie man. Changed the game with Old Town Road. Sure did. You deserve every <laughs> prop you get. Please. <laughs> but he has another song called Panini. Yeah, and. He had to credit Nirvana as a sample songwriter because there's a melody in Panini that sounds kind of like, what's the name of that song by Nirvana? Uh, I'm not aware of this because I saw the breakdown. I saw the break, the making of the Panini video thing on YouTube. In Bloom. It stretch. But but the thing of it is... So remember that, and then go go listen go listen to the bridge and Panini. I don't. Th- <sighs> they it you like there. I don't. There's there's. I don't think that he was like. Let me jack this from Nirvana. I have I don't a think, hard time I, I, saying that. I have a hard time believing that. But, and Nirvana ain't one of my favorite bands neither. <laughs> <laughs> People give them a lot more credit than they deserve. Oh, in my shit. opinion. Oh shit. In my in my honest and humble opinion. So anybody, anytime somebody come out with that mess, I I be as many comics as I read, I'd be more inclined to believe that Kurt Cobain came to the future at one point in time and got that melody from freaking Lil Nas X. I'm, I'm not that... I love a lot of Nirvana songs, and I'm a big fan of the Nevermind album, but I'm not a big fan of how people are like, oh man, they're one of the pioneers of classic rock, and I, mean, I don't like them, Sublime, I ain't really into all that. Okay, who really likes Sublime, though? Douches. <laughs> We like <laughs> Sublime, if I'm not mistaken, has one album and there are two songs that we remember on it. There's two, and I believe I think there's two. The Santeria and What I Got. Those are the only two Sublime songs anybody knows. Yeah. Um And the, one of them is whack. I'm talking about what I got. I don't think that's a good song. I don't think it's good. My band plays Santeria and I still ain't that big a fan of it. That song I right. it's, it's all right. It's a, it's a good drinking song. <laughs> it's, but that's it's, all right. it. it's good for a trio yeah. song too. I think Green Day's better, but that's just me. People get mad at me about that, but I'm like Psh. They get mad Whatever. at you for thinking Green Day is better than Sublime? Than Nirvana and Sublime, yeah. I mean they got more of a discography well, than both those bands. This is the thing. And I also think the Foo Fighters are better than Nirvana too. <laughs> I think a lot of people would say that. 
a lot of people say it's blasphemous, and I'm like, well, do they really? Dave Grohl can play guitar. Somebody <laughs> made the same point with, a matter of fact, of all people, it was Charlemagne the God. Cause somebody was asking him about Biggie versus Pac, and he was like, I got to give it to Pac because Pac got a bigger catalog. Like that, that, that has to count for something. It does. And like he put out the work. Yeah. But what it what it, what happens is that when you die before your time, then you get canonized, mm-hmm. you know. So pretty much, which you know, that, I'm sorry that that happened to uh, Nirvana, but my issue it happens with that to Lime is, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not no more because they had they came back out with that dude who just. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. my problem with Nirvana is we owe our love for their music to production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We owe how we feel and how what, what we think of when we listen to those songs. We owe that to production. Mm-hmm. They might have been, they might have gestated inside of Kurt Cobain's psyche, but what went on record on Wax had a lot to do with. I think it was Geffen and freaking um, Steve Albini. Steve Albini, yeah, was 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 Fig on that record or was he producing? He might have been, um, but that's not you know. They put out some Nirvana live DVDs, and me and my homie was watching them. And he was so psyched. And he's my best friend. And I was just looking at him, and I was like, bruh, they, they, they can't play their songs. <laughs> I was like, bruh, they can't. I, I'm a Hendrix fan, and I'll, I'll sit up all day and tell you. I'm like, bruh, Hendrix had a tuning problem. No, <laughs> I will say it. it. Hendrix is my favorite guitar player of all time. I'm like, Hendrix had a tuning problem. But Nirvana, they couldn't play in rhythm. The only person in rhythm was the drummer, was Dave Grohl. The bass player, he's a conservative politician now. Oh, yeah, Kurt, Nor- Kurt Novoselic. He's like a conservative, conservative politician. I was like, bro, you used to. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I guess you grew up for real, huh? Dude? I do that as Chris Novoselic. Because I, I had the same conversation on an earlier episode, and I said Kurt, and I was slapping myself. It's mm-hmm. Chris Novoselic. But yeah, now he's on some bullshit. Like, yeah, and, and I'm just like, see, you like that because you know you couldn't play. <laughs> for real. You go back and you look at all the old DVDs of yourself, and you see what people see now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, what you should do is be glad you had your fun. What you shouldn't do is shit on the people who got you to where you are, which yeah. is what you're doing now with the way you talk look, in your politics. I Look, I, <coughs> I, I, I am all about some band blasphemy, bro. And because. I will sit up and I've got a friend who was like, if somebody sends me a stem, if somebody sends me a Nirvana things with, without bass stems, <laughs> I'll shut. I'm lethal with a bass sense of distortion. I was like, I'm, t- I'm tempted to find somebody to do it just to show, just to show how many people are better than this guy at bass because, like I said, they're old Nirvana DVDs, bro. They cannot play their own tunes. Yeah, they but how how much of that is 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 substance though, in like drugs, alcohol, anything like that? Because Jimmy Page had the same problem. And my mom said when she saw Guns N' Roses, they had to bring Slash out on stage and then take him <laughs> and take him back off stage. Yeah. But then again, like we see like very famous dudes like off stage, like all crack. <laughs> and they can sing and play their parts. Who are you talking about, Rick James? Yeah. My dad told me about okay. seeing <laughs> <laughs> Not just, but like, I, I wasn't talking about Rick James, but if I would have said no right then, I'd have been lying. <laughs> Who else does crack? <laughs> Shit, plenty of people do. Crack was more normal than you think. Hell, okay. Charlie Wilson admitted that he was a crack addict on BET Awards. Something Damn, like really? That. Yeah, he was like, I've been through all of it. He's like, you can get past it. I was like, I've done that. I've done this. I've done that. Okay, what about Parliament Funkadelic? Because they I, weren't we, on crack. No, but what well, I know there were a lot of drugs around. You think Parliament Funkadelic never played a bad, a bad gig where they were just too sloshed to play? Well, they were so loose. Uh, well, especially like when you separate them, like Parliament was like the 
the polished funk, like uh, the eighties funk of the era type thing. And Funkadelic was like, you know, where they created like what we think of as funk with the rock thing. And it was, so even their records were that loose. Mm-hmm. If you listen, they got a ton of them too. Like like you said, their catalog is huge, so they, can, they they should be judged that way too. The catalog is massive, but it's that's drug fueled as well. Mm-hmm. What's on the record is drug fueled, and there's not as much you know production doctoring as in the sixties and seventies as there would have been in the nineties. But like I've heard stories, um, my friend did the. Uh, when James Brown died, he's a good friend of mine. He's a this dude. It's a mentor of mine. He's a guitar player in Public Enemy. He went on tour with um, Bootsy for like the James Brown tribute thing. He was telling me that they were telling him stories. Uh, George Clinton would just walk around and be blowing puffs of crack in people's face. <coughs> that's crazy. So a lot of people did crack, and that's why I'm like, I know substance abuse has a lot to do with punctuality and you know being good on stage but you can't deny when somebody's just slaw Mm -hmm. that makes sense the the only thing that i would say and like i don't know like you know they might have been slaw i mean like even 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 like the biggest people that sing the gospels in nirvana nobody ever says that they were like virtuosos we just like the songs oh man you'd be surprised who 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 was out here saying that they're there was a uh, who, who there was people? there was what's VH1's 100 greatest oh. rock bands or whatever and stuff like that they said that Nirvana was the perfect cross section between the Beatles and Metallica and I was like who told you to put out that lie bro, bro? I will the, the, the strokes are, are 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 more technically interesting than fucking Nirvana is no, Kings of Leon is <laughs> okay I heard they can't play they can well I mean they can only play their stuff but they can play better yeah, than Nirvana can. Um, I saw them get booed off stage though at the uh, when I was in New Orleans because they came on before Rage Against the Machine, and that's not their fault. That's the Booker's fault. You don't put them on before that. You don't do that when Rage Against the Machine is just now coming back. And, yeah. Like that's a reunion, original lineup. You don't put Kings of Leon before that. So I'm not, I don't care what anybody else says. It, and under no circumstance would I say, oh yes, like the, the the music of Nirvana is like up there with fucking Rush or some shit. Would never say that. But what I would say, like, and I've never done either. And I'm not, I'm not judging anybody that does, cause like you know, like you know, do what you do. Mm-hmm. But the the thing surrounding Nirvana was always heroin. Mm-hmm. Crack heightens your senses, and probably <laughs> a degree to your abilities where heroin. The chips I didn't think away about that. So, right. <laughs> so like you could probably play a pretty good set on crack. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if you could do it on heroin. Well, a lot of these people were doing. A lot of times both, man. That's true, too. We're in, we're in a different time now. We have different drugs. I'm not going to say I've done all of them. I smoke pot. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, I don't do coke or crack or nothing like that. Mm. But I'm pretty sure, like, people smoking a bunch of bud, getting hammered off of booze, and doing some MDMA or something is very different than people, like, hitting cocaine and, like, uh, heroin mm. at the same time. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I, I Me I, either. But... <laughs> I've 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 played drunk a, a few times in my mm-hmm. life, and it I mean it's a fun time, but it's 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 not a good set. It's 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 not. Like, it's not the best. It's uh it's better to play sober. There's no version of this makes my music better. I might be able to have a beer before it's just a mess. That's fine. Like like a beer. I can, I can drink while I'm playing, but I will not deny that sobriety is the best performance. That's not, there is no, like, there's absolutely anybody who's like, oh, man, I'm fine or I'm better. No, you're not. You think you are. 
that's that's what that's why you drank that. You <laughs> yeah. No, there is no I, and I will never like so I'm not gonna deny that. That's like yeah. That's that's not true. No. My dad uh, he saw Rick James like back in the seventies or it's probably the early eighties, but um he said that like Rick James, <laughs> Rick James didn't even really play. Like they would start a song and then he would get pissed off and stop and then he would like throw something over and then he would like say some bullshit or whatnot. So it wasn't even really a show. Um, Rick James, dude, God bless him, but dude, he... After this, what you need to do is get on my YouTube and type in Ping Roses Rick James. Oh, shit, I gotta see that. Because those Instagram <laughs> reels that you make are actually really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was the one that you made that was like, with Linkin Park, is like, oh, man, oh, this man play guitar. Bro, you ever heard of that dude Linkin Park? <laughs> that man Linkin Park cold on the guitar. And he could rap, too. Yeah. I know you grew up like that. I know I know people said that to you. So what's crazy, <laughs> so like I I started playing music when I was 11. Mm-hmm. I, I played piano from the time I was 11. And I still play it, obviously, but mm-hmm. I didn't touch guitar until I was 20. So like I didn't necessarily look like that dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even like, you know, I know they had a lot of hits, but Linkin Park is a little heavy for me, man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Strokes are the heaviest band I like. There might be a song here or there by a heavier band that I like. Like, there might be a Black Sabbath song that I play or, like, a song by Ghost. I don't know if you know Ghost. Yes. Yeah. I like Ghost. Okay, they make some <laughs> badass shit. Yeah, Ghost is dope. Ghost <laughs> Ghost is heavier than The Strokes, but That's I don't That's the goth kid in me. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, but they, the shit's good. Yeah, it is. Like, though. it's like it's technical, but it's also just really, really catchy. Mm-hmm. But um, the the stage where I would have been judged for my music taste, I kind of missed because like I just didn't wear it on my sleeve. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. I, I kind of lucked out in that respect. Like I do like a lot of like really white shit, but me too. You know, like should be fun. Yeah, no, it is, and I mean, I, but it pe- people's real music taste, like you were saying about that disconnect, is a lot more complicated than people give it credit for. And there is no single person who like I saw a um a meme that says my music taste, and it had like um all different high school groups hanging out together with like with like Sailor Moon and my Michael Jackson photoshopped into it and it's like yeah uh, how I am on the outside my playlist on Spotify and I'm like there's nobody who isn't like that there is no one single person who you can be like oh man they only like this so you can give it to do give this to them they might like something that you know they like but every single human being who likes music has a diverse taste in music mm-hmm. It's not. It's it's a it's a corporation who will delegate music to a demographic, mm-hmm. which has never been correct. Because mm-hmm. if it were, um, <clears throat> white people wouldn't have had to make uh, uh, harder, heavier music and then call it something else. Yeah. Like now you're right. One more thing, because I typically go about two hours. We're about yeah. two hours. Well, one more. Ask, ask you one more thing before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Is, where are you on Frank Zappa? I love Frank Zappa. Yeah, you know they're doing this documentary on him now. No, I did not know that. I can't, it might be out already, or maybe it hadn't come out. I don't know where to start with Frank Zappa. There's a lot of records to do. I, I see a lot of his interviews, but I can't really say I've ever sat down and listened to any Frank Zappa. Oh, man, I love Frank Zappa. Um, you want to get into pre and post? Because see, Frank Zappa's guitar player used to be Steve Vai. I didn't know that. Steve Vai was, before he got popular as his own solo thing, he was Frank Zappa's guitar player. Um, he actually auditioned to play for Ozzy Osbourne, but Ozzy Osbourne said he was too technical, which is <laughs> stupid. <funny>. But <laughs> which is really stupid because Ozzy Osbourne's guitar players are usually very technical because his music calls for it. 
<laughs> but uh, but um, I always, didn't smoke weed. That's what it was. Shit, I can't I can't confirm that. Um, I don't know, but um. Frank Zappa, especially early Zappa, and you know Zappa himself is also was a nasty guitar player. Mm. He was an incredible guitar player. He was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just wrote stuff that was out there, mm. and uh, people didn't vibe with it at first. I feel like he got his coins and death more so than he did life. Same thing happened with Jimi Hendrix. That's how it be. Yeah. Did you know that Jimi Hendrix lived here? Yes, I didn't. I learned that like two days ago. His uh, bass player Billy Cox is still here. Oh really? He knows most of our, uh, you know, most of our peers who still play uh, right now. They'd be knowing him. Hmm. Somebody had painted his like. There's like a mural, and it's Dolly Parton, Elvis, some other white person, and Jimi Hendrix, and they they posted a picture of it. This is over, over here on the east side. Somebody posted a picture of it on the East Nashville page, and they were like, "Why is Jimi Hendrix up there?" And then literally everybody in the comments was like, "How do you not know about the Jimi Hendrix connection to Nashville?" And I was like, "Well, I didn't know either, but I'm not the one that outed myself." So. <laughs> I learned. I mean, yeah, he played at Bourbon Street uh, because it was part of the Chitlin circuit. Mm-hmm. And he was in the 101st Airborne. Mm-hmm. They, so he this was, was apparently the first place he came after <coughs> he got out of the Army. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was already here. Him and Billy Cox were here. They were stationed in Clarksville. So they just came right down here. Yeah. Well, shit, man. Is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Thank you. And uh, anytime you'll have me, I'll come. This has been very fun. Yeah, dude, it was a blast. We'll awesome. do it again. <laughs> yeah, I like talking shit. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Peace.